Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie radio show on the planet Earth, the John Gamby Show. Coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Monday. Congratulations. It's the start of a new week filled with triumph and victory and all glories that lay in front of you, and you're starting it off the right way with all of us here on the John Campia Show, and it's great to have you here. Joining us, of course, sitting right over here, he is, uh, man, he is the Oscar-eligible yeah yes. robert meyer burnett robert how you doing john uh it's a good day today unless you're looking at the stock market oh was it, was it a bad downturn it, today it was a bad downturn today. i have not, not taken good. a look doesn't at that. mean the day's not over a uh, man who's got uh, many millions invested in the stock stock market ray aura yep hi <laughs> oh oh by the way hmm. big news big news oh big this wednesday oh <laughs> oh dude this wednesday robert meyer burnett now, you guys know the, 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 what do you call it? The, the fulcrum on which humanity is waiting to turn. The turning point of human history, if you will. Moonfall. Coming out of, what is it, February 18th? February 14th? February, February 18th? 4th, I think. February like 4th. Weeks. February 4th, the same day as Jackass? Yes. 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 Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Well, anyway, this Wednesday, Robert Meyer Burnett has secured four passes to an advanced screening of Moonfall mm -hmm. that Rob Ray... Myself and one other guest, we're gonna go and watch Moonfall on Wednesday night. Oh, you know it's gonna be Moonfall Day. My most anticipated I'm movie being right here. By a moonfall, <laughs> moon a moonfall, a moonfall. It's uh, it's gonna be something else. You know we're gonna do a uh, post-screening reaction to that. So keep your eyes open for that. Oh, and yeah, I mentioned we have a fourth ticket because this person's coming with us, ladies and gentlemen. Make your traffic return is Chris Carr. I'm so excited to see it early, but what am I going to do on Valentine's Day now? I know, oh, it feels pointless. See it feels jackass. pointless. There we go. Romance. Go see Jackass. <laughs> By the way, uh, Chris Carr, of course, actor, coach. You've probably heard her voice in some of your favorite animated stuff. The music's on. Oh, the music's still on. Yeah. We'll make sure that's turned off again. Uh, anyway, that happens sometimes. But anyway, it's great to have you back, Chris. The pandemic took you away from us, yeah. but now you're back. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me, you guys. And uh, it is great to have you guys here joining us. And here's how today's show is going to go. We break the show into two parts. In the first half of the show, we take some predetermined topics. In the second half of the show, we take your live comments and questions. There's two ways to send them in. First, if you're watching live, and only if you're watching live, you can go ahead and use the Super Chat feature in the YouTube chat there, and we'll read off those comments at the end of the main topics. If you're watching the show any of the other 22 hours during the day, you can go down into the description of this video, and you'll see a tip link. Click on that there, or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question right on the show, if we deem your comment or question to be appropriate for our show or companion video. And of course, you'll be supporting the channel at the same time and all of us involved with the John Campus Show. Thank you guys very much for your support. All right, guys, one other little bit of housekeeping. That's this. Don't forget, if you need your daily fix of the John Campus Show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, maybe you're jogging, you're at the gym, maybe you're commuting. Good news. There's an audio-only version of this show called the John Campus Show Podcast. It's available on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Just go and find it today. Hit subscribe. And so it is there when you need it. All right, guys, with all that down, let's gather a couple of off the tops here, shall we? And one of the first ones we're going to talk about here is this. You know, Disney Plus is now full-blown pedal to the metal. They're moving. It felt like forever that we were waiting for that first Marvel Disney Plus show to come. And, of course, it came in the form of WandaVision, which we all loved. 
I, I, it is still, I think, the best thing that they've put out. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. One of the upcoming things that people are excited about, and there's many. You got Ms. Marvel coming. You got She-Hulk coming. We got Moon Knight coming. Yeah. But one of the things a lot of people are talking about is Secret Invasion. That's the one that some people are really talking about. And we got our first look at some Secret Invasion stuff. Now, none of this is mind-blowing, but there's a couple of interesting things. First of all, we got our first look at Samuel L. Jackson who's not sporting his, you know, traditional eye patch. He's kind of dressed more civilian-like. They got him walking around down the streets or whatever. I think they're in Leeds, England, but I think they're making it up to look like Russia. It looks to me like they're making it up to look like Russia. So we got our first look at him there, but also we got our first look at Amelia Clark. And nothing much to see here, just the fact that, again, she's kind of dressed very like a civilian, walking around the streets, stuff like that. And you're going to see a couple of images here in a second that kind of point out why it feels like this is indeed meant to be Russia, even though they're shooting this in Leeds. Uh, first of all, some fine cars out in the street. So, so there's some rich drug dealer, I'm sure. You see there's a lot of Russian writing on the walls uh, all over the place there. Also, you see them see some staff people actually putting up Russian signs over the, the English signs. So that's probably going to be uh, again, filling in for then you see a lot of people dressed up like Russian citizens and stuff like that. So and that's and there's a little bit of Amelia getting makeup put on. So nothing mind blowing here. But again, it is that that phrase, that tangibilization. It's a reality. This thing's shooting now, probably like a lot of you. I thought the first time we we're going to get a look at Samuel Jackson, and Amelia Clark, it's going to be in some wild Eternals kind of outfit or whatever. This is more subdued, but it is giving us a little bit of a taste of maybe what we can expect. Rob, you had a chance to see these images. First of all, you know, we've been talking a lot, obviously, about Moon Knight. And we've, there's been a lot of talk about Miss Marvel. We haven't talked a lot about Secret Invasion. No. What do you think about these images? And then just in general, where are your anticipation level like? And what are you expecting out of Secret Invasion? Well, in the comics, the Secret Invasion was a big thing where you find out that a lot of the characters that we've been following for years were actually scrolls. Now, I don't know if they're going to do that. I don't know if we're going to see to the extent of that. But when they introduced the scrolls in Captain uh, Marvel, they were sort of benevolent. They were likable. We liked the scrolls. They were Ben Mendelsohn was great. And I, I really enjoyed what was going on there. But now, apparently, there's a faction of scrolls that aren't so nice that are trying to mess about with our planet. So I'm I, you know, the idea of searching for aliens whether it's the X-Files, whether it's the old show, The Invaders, I'm for it, man. Bring on an alien invasion of Earth. If if suddenly we find out that Mark Ruffalo has been a scroll the whole time, <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'm there for that. There is an interesting question, though, because do we know there's a bad faction of the Skrulls and it's not something else they're fighting against? I mean, we're, I mean I've been assuming the same thing as you. Yeah. I'm assuming I'm assuming exactly what you said. But could it be something else? And if it is... What could that be? I, you know, be it could Kree be a super scroll. Or? It could be a, yeah. The, I mean, I think we saw the Cree and Captain. One of the big things in Marvel history was the Cree Scroll War. So maybe there's something to do with that. Um, I I don't know. Um, I actually have a hardcover of the Cree Scroll War. Cree <laughs> Scroll War. So uh, I, I I don't know. I'm curious to see where this is all going, but. If it plays into what I suspect the next Avengers movie is going to be, which is Avengers Secret Wars, um, this could all be a part of that, that bigger design. Right. Uh, anyway, Chris, you know, 
you're you see these pictures mm -hmm. you see samuel jackson look at amelia clark what do you think what does that tell you maybe it doesn't tell you anything and where's your anticipation level right now for a show like secret invasion i mean it tells us so little <laughs> I am so hyped about this, though, because we do know based on Captain Marvel, right, this isn't going to be a one for one. It's not going to be a copy paste. So for those of us who have read the comics, there is this level of excitement and intrigue because it's going to be something theoretically that we haven't seen before. I just want to know who she is. Like, is she brand? Is she one of the scrolls like Jacinda? Like, who is she playing? I just want to know already, which I know that's part of the whole secret invasion portion of it. But I need to know because right now her just wearing a big old coat is like, Okay, Amelia. It's not giving away out. a lot, is yeah. it, at this point? Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about these initial images? Does it kind of, are there Easter eggs in there that maybe we're not catching that you are? Does it tell you something about the story? What do you think about this part taking in Russia? What are your expect expectations for the show overall? Whatever you guys are feeling, jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do another off the top, and that is this. It would be no surprise to any of you guys who've watched my show for any period of time that one of my absolute favorite shows on television in the last 10 years was the Fox show and then later Netflix, Lucifer. I love Lucifer. Not, not a statement you want to walk in in the middle of out of context, but I love Lucifer. A comic adaptation. The, a comic adaptation. Very, very loose, but yes, a comic adaptation. And Tom Ellis playing the character of Lucifer Morningstar has been my favorite character on television for a lot of years. And of course, they just recently did their final season. I liked the final season. It was my least favorite season of the show. Right. But I still liked it. Yeah. And the very, very ending was actually very adorable. Like, I, I liked the actual, the very, very ending of it I thought was really great, and I liked it a lot. Well, apparently, I wasn't the only one. <laughs> because it's official, Lucifer was the number one streaming show of 2021 beating out Squid Game. Now, there are a couple of important asterisks to put beside this. Most importantly is that, of course, Squid Game has one season, whereas Lucifer has, what did it end up being, five or six? Six, I, I think. Was it six was the total? I, I can't remember the exact final number. But, so there was a lot more episodes of Lucifer to watch. So that's why the actual number of hours that people watch Lucifer exceeded that of Squid Game. The other big asterisk to put in front of that is this, is that Lucifer was the number one streaming original show of 2021. The actual number one show, all of like the number one stream show of the year, I don't think any of you would guess, Criminal Minds. Really? Criminal Minds was the number one stream show. As a matter of fact, Why? the top seven, <laughs> the top seven shows above Lucifer were all catalog shows from network. Think about that. All of them were catalog. All of the top seven most streamed shows of the year were catalog shows from networks. It wasn't streaming originals. And it's not until you get down to Lucifer that you actually had, and even Lucifer is half catalog network because the first few yeah. episodes were on Fox. But still, this is a triumph and a victory for Lucifer. All hail Lucifer, I love this show. One more feather to put in its crown as it rides off into the sunset. You know, Chris, you hear about this 
are you were you surprised to hear because uh, listen i'm a huge fan of this yeah. show and i was shocked when i saw this news were you surprised by i'm this? very surprised by this also so excited for someone to just clip you saying all hail lucifer that's gonna be so <laughs> great to live on the internet but i was very surprised i know in my household that was the most watched show because really my, my husband you Logan Logan watched this show on repeat just constantly he just got the coin too that he has so he's no been, he's, he's been got flipping the coin? it yeah that's how we've made all of our moving decisions <laughs> <laughs> you know we're really it's a high flutin operation over there but yeah i i'm very surprised by this especially with how just squid game feels like such a phenomenon i am still reeling though it was criminal minds just while we were all trapped inside our houses we wanted to watch murderers all the time I get white women what are we doing come on i know we all love murders but what's happening but i know fair do you ever see that saturday night live sketch with yes. with the one of the jonas brothers mm -hmm. murder show murder show murder oh my show. god yeah murder yeah. shows and cooking shows yeah That's and and laughed her ass off at that rob uh number one i'm gonna tell you i'm shocked she's shocked first of all what do you think about the fact that lucifer ended up being the number one streaming thing and number two uh, and the thing that I think is actually maybe even more interesting here is that the top seven shows were not streaming. As much as we talk all these days about streamings, where is that? The streaming originals, where is that? Yet even on streaming, the shows people are watching the most is the network television stuff that's now put on here. What do you think about all that? Well, first of all, Lucifer, uh, Tom Ellis, I think we all want to be him. I like, I wish I could live my life and just be that character and act the way he acts and get away with what he gets away with. I think it's the ultimate wish fulfillment fantasy in that show. Um, so it's great. But, you know, I, I think one of the things that most people do when they watch shows is it's comfort food. Like, you know, I, uh, my ex-girlfriend Mary would watch her favorite shows like the, the Law and Order marathons that go dun, dun. on forever. I mean, she would just have those on and play them one show after another show after another show after another show. I mean, it was, and I think a lot of people turn to comfort food, you know, during, during a pandemic, they want to watch things they know. It doesn't surprise me because if people don't, know what a show is there unless you're unless you're that kind of a personality you're not necessarily going to go exploring for something new if you if if you're just trying to turn your brain off and be entertained watching something you do know sometimes is better than watching something you don't know that doesn't work for me personally but i mean heck yesterday i was very tired and i was just sitting in bed and i watched um uh midnight in paris the woody allen movie i love oh. midnight in paris it was just there i'm like yeah click that's Don wilson it. right Owen Wilson, what a delightful film. Tom Hiddleston plays F. Scott Fitzgerald. Uh, I love that movie. <laughs> it's just, I didn't want to think. It was just right there. I'm like, click. I didn't even, I didn't even scan for anything. It was just there. I'm like, oh, you know, and it was that kind of a thing. Uh, quick side note. I did I had the exact same experience last night, except I started watching that new show on Peacock, Wolf Like Me, with Isla Fisher and uh, Josh, Josh Gad. Josh Gad, yeah. You know what? It's actually pretty good. Oh, good. I, I actually, I got a kick out of it. So me and Ann watched the first like three or four episodes and like, I'm going to continue watching this. I thought it was pretty good. Anyway, guys, we're here to talk about Lucifer. Ladies and gentlemen, what do you think about this? Are you surprised to find out Lucifer was the number one streamed original show last year over Squid Game, even though that's partially because it had so many more seasons of Squid Game. Are you more surprised by the fact that most the most watched shows are actually network shows that are brought over? Whatever you guys are thinking about it, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, let's do one more off the top here, shall we? And that is this. One of the most beloved of all childhood stories that probably a lot of us grew up with, doesn't matter the generation, it's the story of Pinocchio, even though it is twisted as hell. <laughs> that, that is a dark, 
twisted story. When you really sit down and watch <laughs> the story and think about the story of, of Pinocchio, it's, it's pretty warped. Of course, then they brought it to live action. The great Roberto Benigni, Academy Award winner, who gave us Life is Beautiful, one of my all-time favorite films. Yeah, he did his version of Pinocchio. Not so good. You know, that, that, that's fine. That's fine. But what a lot of us have been excited about is director Guillermo del Toro, a Best Picture winning, Oscar winning director. We all love Guillermo del Toro. He's been talking for a long time about it. He's got his version of Pinocchio coming. And they just announced that Pinocchio will come out on Netflix in December of this year, December 2022. What is quite interesting, though, is that in the little teaser they dropped, we see and hear one character, and it's Ewan McGregor voicing the character of Jiminy Cricket, or whatever, whatever, Sebastian, Sebastian S. Cricket, or whatever he called himself in it. But it's the look of the character. This is what Jiminy Cricket looks like. I mean, on the left is how we remember Jiminy Cricket. And on the right is, well, I guess that's actually how Jimmy Cricket <laughs> should look. And he, of course, is in the is in the trailer walking around, talking about, telling the story about, oh, you're going to hear this story. And I was there. I lived in the heart of the little wooden boy. And he goes on and talking. And it's like, OK, that is that's something right out of nightmares, <laughs> which is actually pretty much par for the course with the Guillermo del Toro. Uh, Rob, you had a chance to take. A look at this. Well, number one, that we got our first teaser. We got a release date now for Guillermo del Toro's. I'm quite excited for this. You got our first look at Jiminy Cricket. What do you think about it? Uh, it's exactly what I wanted from this, from Guillermo del Toro. I mean, you go back and you look at all the way back to Kronos. He, he's always had a really interesting take on childhood horror, childhood dark fantasy, beginning with Kronos. Um, but I, Pan's Labyrinth, yep. you know, um, uh, The Devil's Backbone. I've I've loved I've loved when he delves into this and this looks like the most well one of the most Guillermo del Toro things that Guillermo del Toro's ever made. So uh I'm there for it, man. <laughs> Bring it on. Chris, uh I know this is I mean, you're a big del Toro fan. Mm -hmm. So I knew this would get something you were probably gonna be looking forward to a lot. I mean, really, it makes sense that this is what he would look like. It does make sense. It's still, it's a little bit taking it back. What do you think about the look of him? I love it because it's got some kind of James and the Giant Peach vibes. Yeah. Oh, it very totally into. does. I love it. And uh, just shout out to Brandon on Twitter who alerted me to this trailer at like at 4 a.m. too. So I got to watch it when I woke up. This was wonderful. But I love when Guillermo del Toro is playing in that sandbox of his, you know? Yeah. Nightmare Alley is a great film, but it didn't feel as del Toro as I'm used to, right? I love the kind of weirdness that we get into in a lot of his right. worlds, the creature building. And while there were aspects of that, it, it just wasn't the, the sandbox that I'm familiar with, right? So seeing him just really dive deep again into animation and creature work and all of that, I am so hyped. And I just think this guy's precious. And you know, if there's anybody I know in this room who loves Nightmare Fuel, it's Ray Ora. So I got, I got, I got to ask what Ray. I got, I got to ask Ray. You take a look at this. Uh, you take a look at this Jiminy Cricket. Like, what do you think? Is this? Uh, I, 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 I told the chat right now. I don't hate it. I actually kind of like it, to be honest. I mean, it's it doesn't look that bad. I mean, I welcome. Like I said, if you're gonna do the same stories over and over again. Let everyone have their take on it. If this is his take, I'll accept it. Like it doesn't, nothing bothers me. It also it. makes it a little bit more palatable to, to like somebody who might look and they go, ah, but hearing the delightful tones of Ewan McGregor <laughs> exactly. saying, I am Sebastian S. Cricket or whatever. It, it if makes someone's going to live in a, a little boy's heart, 
You know, uh, I think it should be this character. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that could get kind of gruesome, That's too. I mean, literally, he lives inside the wooden body. Yeah. You know, come on. So, Love it. I, and is he going to start to eat his way out? Is Are we going to see a, a Pinocchio <laughs> screaming in pain ah, as this creature claws its way out? I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen. That's Gamble a the torture film that you yeah, know, turned into a real boy bores out. Yeah. Of a, of <laughs> anyway, guys, question for you is. What do you think about this first look at the new Jiminy Cricket and the upcoming Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio? I mean, again, it looks exactly the way it probably should look like, so maybe we shouldn't complain. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. Before we go any further here, let's pay a couple bills. And I want to thank the sponsor of today's video, our friends over at Liquid IV. We want to take a minute and thank the sponsors of this video, Liquid IV. Now listen, just one stick of Liquid IV added to 16 ounces of water will hydrate you faster and more efficiently than just water alone. It contains five essential vitamins like B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course, vitamin C with three times the electrolytes as traditional sports drinks. And what makes Liquid IV so effective is the science of cellular transport technology or CTT. You see, it's designed to enhance rapid absorption of water and other key ingredients into your bloodstream faster and more more efficiently. It tastes great and it's a great thing to take when you feel run down, you need your daily hydration boost, or even a little bit of hangover recovery. You know, Ann and I get up pretty early in the morning to go to the gym because we can't go to the gym at any other time during the day. And for the last couple of weeks, I have been drinking one full glass of water with liquid IV. And all I can tell you is you can feel the difference during the workout. So go and grab liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code CAMPIA at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code CAMPIA, that's C-A-M-P-E-A, at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today when you go to liquidiv.com. And remember, use the promo code at checkout, CAMPIA. All right, and thank you so much to Liquid IV for supporting and sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys. With that down, let's get into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campy Show? Well, it's really simple. You guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's totally free. Hit submit, and then maybe... Just maybe you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first topic is coming from James Argenta. According to The Hollywood Reporter, actress Mary Elizabeth Winstead has been cast in The Ahsoka Show. Winstead joins a cast that includes Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka, Ivana Sokno, Natasha Lou Bordizo, who is set to play Mandalorian Sabine Wren, and Hayden Christensen reprising his role as Ahsoka's Jedi Master, Anakin Skywalker. Does the Mary Elizabeth Winstead casting make you more excited for the Ahsoka show coming to Disney Plus next year? John, uh, are you pumped? I, I am. Listen, surprisingly enough, I am already pumped for the show. And I hate the Ahsoka character. I know. At no, least I have traditionally... I have traditionally hated the character. I thought it was a whiny, annoying, out of place, makes no sense character. But yeah, she gets really good. Nah, she doesn't. At least not I to love me. her. But I gotta say, my my cold wooden boy Pinocchio heart had a little Jiminy Cricket in it 
when the character returned in Rebels. And I started warming up to the Ahsoka character in Rebels. And then I got caught up in it just like everybody else when they built up to the big, you know, climax of her versus Anakin and all. I thought it was a cop out of an ending where they both walked away, but whatever. I, I really enjoyed that. But then the key turning point for me came when she appeared in Mandalorian with Rosario Dawson. I, just by the way, to me, number one, all time, I think the ultimate geek guy's dream girl ever is Rosario Dawson's character in Clerks 2. I think she's <laughs> like the, the perfect embodiment of the every guy, every geek guy's dream girl. But I've loved her career. She's an incredible actress. And so I was excited when I heard she was cast to play Ahsoka. And then we saw Ahsoka live action. I'm like, this just works. And oh my God, I'm looking forward to the Ahsoka show, which had you told me that three years ago. <laughs> I would have slapped you and called you Timmy. I mean, there's no way that uh, I, that just it doesn't happen. I can't happen, but it is. I'm looking forward to this. Another actress I have always adored is Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I mean, I think probably like a lot of people, I really first took notice of her in um, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yes, Ramona Flowers. Oh my gosh. I loved her in that. Hell, I even liked her in that not so good the thing continuation remake thing. I actually thought she carried herself very she's, well. She's a good that. actress. Yeah. She really is. And then she did another little film that I didn't think was all that great recently, but it was kind of fun. And it was that action film on Netflix, Kate. Yeah. Oh yeah. And while I didn't think the movie was super strong, I'm like, I buy her as an action. Yeah, she was good. Because nothing, nothing in Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn gave anybody in mat any material to make them feel like they could stand out. So I was kind of disappointed in that. You liked that movie, didn't I loved you? that movie. You're not alone. A lot of people, I, I yeah. do not understand people who like that movie. But it was fun. That's why all film is subjective. But I'll tell you what, adding Mary Elizabeth uh, Winstead to this, to me, is absolutely fantastic. This comes just from the folks over at The Hollywood Reporter who write the following. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is punching her career into hyperspace. <laughs> the actress has joined the budding cast of Ahsoka, the next Star Wars live action series gearing up to go into production at Lucasfilm and Disney+. Rosario Dawson is starring as the fan favorite character Ahsoka Tano, a Jedi Knight survivor popular on the animation side of Star Wars, who made her live action debut in the second season of The Mandalorian. Hayden Christensen, good Canadian kid, is reprising the role of Anakin Skywalker for the series, which is set five years after the events of The Return of the Jedi, with Ukrainian actress Ivana Sakno and Australian thespian Natasha Lou Bordizo. Bordizo? I hope I'm saying that right. Also slated to be on the cast sheet. Plot details and Winstead's character information are being kept hidden in the bunker on 10 Cloverfield Lane. Of course, she was also really, really great in that Cloverfield Lane. She was really good in that. So... My like I'm gonna come out here. This is totally blind guess. Have had no information, but I'm betting a lot of people are guessing the same thing. Oh, she's gonna be dark side. I think she's gonna be a dark side user. I the 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 idea to me of a big build up through the season of Ahsoka. Now, of course, the main villain I think is supposed to be Grand Admiral Thrawn, and I think the show is gonna be focused around. Uh, Ahsoka and Sabine searching for Ezra, who I believe is going to be played by, oh, why am I forgetting his name from Aladdin? I'm forgetting oh, yeah. the actor's name from Aladdin, but the, the dude who played Aladdin and did it very well, I think he's supposed to play Ezra, but I'm guessing, for all I know, Ahsoka may be 
I mean, uh, Mary Elizabeth might be Ahsoka's best friend for all I know, but I'm guessing dark side user working with Grand Admiral Thrawn as the climax of this one is going to be Ahsoka, Rosario Dawson versus Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I'm all for it if it is, but I'm all for it for anything. Anyway, the question was, does her being added to this increase my excitement for it? I was already excited, but yes, this increases the excitement for it for me. Uh, Chris, I know you've been anticipating this one. You've been following this one with great interest. First of all, what do you think about the addition of Mary Elizabeth to this? And then second, where's your anticipation level right now for Ahsoka? Literally put Mary Elizabeth Winstead in everything. <laughs> I love her so much. Oh, I think she's so cool. I think she's such a great actress. I really, really enjoy her. Um, so it absolutely increases my level of interest here. This is just a great cast. It's really, yeah, it really, really great. Is. And it's uh, Mina Masood, Masoud? Mina Masoud, that's Masoud, it. Thank, thank you. you. I'm so excited he's going to be Ezra. I think he's wonderful too. I really, really am excited to see this story plan out. I'm just really hyped that you gave Ahsoka a chance. I, <laughs> I knew if we gave it time, there'd be common ground. This is great. And I mean, look, a lot of it had to do with number one with, with Rebels, but mm -hmm. number two, what Rosario Dawson was able to bring to the role. Rob, let's go over to you here. You, you've you seen, I mean, I know you've always appreciated Mary Elizabeth for yes. this. What do you think about her addition? Do you think she can be a good fit for a show like this? Well, I think the whole cast for this show is great. And I think that, you know, bringing back Hayden Christensen, I'm sure we're going to get flashbacks to live action Clone Wars stuff. Uh, in addition to probably we'll see Vader. Wouldn't you imagine that we would? I guess maybe. Scott, yeah, or or Force Ghost or uh, yeah, something. All kinds of things. So, uh, and the rest of this cast is great. The fact that they're adding her, I think you're right. I think she's been leading up to being a badass. And if she is a Force user, I mean, obviously Ahsoka is going to need a foil. Or maybe she's the right, right hand person of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, don't know. Uh, I would love to see it. Can't wait. When do we get this show? This year? They they haven't even announced when it's officially going into production. Because we're going to get Obi-Wan first. Yeah. I'm I'm guessing we're not going to get this till 2023. Yeah. That's my guess. I mean, they haven't even started shooting it. I mean, it's, we are still obviously early enough of the year that you could start shooting it next month and have it ready for launch, say, come December. But I'm thinking that's when Mandalorian is probably going to come out. Right. Season three. So we'll have to see. Here's something. Let me know what you guys think about this. I... I remember early in the days, it was like, oh, you know, this one isn't going to be kind of overseen by, by Favre. Where do you think the energy level and hype is? Do you think the current disappointment, and look, some people are loving the book of Boba Fett. Some people are loving it. I, I'm not discounting that. But I think it's fair to say that a lot of people have been a little bit disappointed with it. Maybe some extremely disappointed, but at least a little bit disappointed. Have you guys sensed it all? Because I felt a lot of excitement when they announced like, Rangers of the New Republic, which we now know is scrapped, Ahsoka, uh, the uh, the Acolyte, which is probably the one I'm most excited about. Have you guys felt at all any kind of tempering of excitement over the overall Star Wars on Disney Plus stuff with what's been going on with the Book of Boba Fett? Or do you think hope still springs eternal for everything else we're seeing? I mean, I do feel like people are kind of getting tired of this slow burn that's happening. Right. A lot of that, though, I think comes from we forgot how to watch television. Binging really, really set us up for, we want to watch everything right now. Give me all the story. I don't have time for character development. I don't have time for long lingering artistic shots, which is very upsetting. That said, I think people are also experiencing burnout on Star Wars the same way people are experiencing burnout on some superhero properties. Right. I'm not one of these people. <laughs> I'm, it's a renaissance for me, I'm thriving. Um, but I, I do think people are a little inundated with stuff right now. Um, I'm hoping though that everyone just 
sits back and lets it lets it happen. I, I'm really enjoying the ride personally. I love all this content. Rob, what about you? What are you sensing? Uh, you know, I think, uh, like you always say, winning changes everything. Yep. I think the Boba Fett show is it's been disappointing for me from the writing, but most importantly, the character of Boba Fett seems to be transformed in some way into something I didn't think he was. This idea of being a noble and fighting for the side of good almost. I think that people are perplexed and confused by that, but they're not perplexed or confused by the Mandalorian. That's true. And you have a new show that comes on like an Ahsoka show and it delivers the goods. I think Obi-Wan's going to be great. You know, Deborah Chow directed that show. I'm so excited about that. I can't wait to see this. You got Ewan McGregor coming back as a legacy character, and he's probably the most legit actor, having played Obi-Wan for three movies. I mean, I, I, plus he's just a world-class actor. I think there's a lot of excitement. I think right now we might, we might be just in a little bit of a rut uh, because of one show. But you know what, John? One more good show wipes all of that away. Uh, it's so. true. Oh, real quick, can we talk about the Power Rangers who showed up though in Boba Fett? Oh, the Mos Espa Vespas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've we've talked at okay. length about yeah. I I just still can't wrat my head around that part. No, I, I just I don't want to like this, but I don't know why Voltron's here. <laughs> I've seen Voltron. I've seen a lot of memes too about the the gang from um, Back to the Future too. Yeah. Like that's the comparisons to that as well. Their own version of Power Rangers on. Uh, I yeah. I I don't know. Listen. I trust Favreau. Maybe he's got some big payoff for it somewhere near the end. Maybe they do all Help combine. One big Boba Fett. One big, yeah, they combine with their various mechanical robotic pieces combine and they pull out a big sword and it's then be great. Wow. little goobly monsters run out that they've got to fight. It'll be awesome. Well, they, are, they are like half robots, so That's theoretically, I mean, yeah. maybe they combine with their Vespas and then they all combine into one giant... <laughs> You open your mouth and gold pours out, Rob. I'm telling you. Just pure gold pours out. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Were you excited about the Ahsoka Tano show at all in the first place? If you were or weren't, whatever. But what do you think about the addition of Mary Elizabeth Winstead? I think this is great. How do you guys feel about it? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Chris, what is our second main topic today? This one is wild, and this is from Josh. Hey, John and crew, I saw an article that had said that there was currently a lawsuit against Universal for misleading advertising, because in their trailers, they had shown that Anna de Armas was in the movie, but she wasn't. Ridiculous, yes. Interesting, though. Hypothetically, if they were to win the lawsuit, this could change the way trailers are made, especially for Marvel, which sometimes purposely misleads. What are your thoughts? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And this, to me, is fascinating. And do not sleep on this story. Because this story could have very wide-reaching implications as to how studios market their movies to their audiences. Now, if you watched, let's face it, the greatest documentary of the last 100 years... Trailers? Movie trailers a love story. Yes. (laughs) I think we all agree. Greatest documentary of the last hundred years. But if you had seen my movie, Movie Trailers a Love Story, you know that mine and a lot of film fans' big pet peeve is when trailers are misleading. We're not talking about, oh, maybe, you know, they did a little misdirect. Like, purposely just set up to deceive you as to what you're getting in this movie and what kind of movie it is, what kind of movie it isn't. That can be a problem for a lot of film fans. 
Well, there was this really neat little movie with, um, uh, I almost called it Leslie Bibb, but it's not Leslie Bibb. It's not Leslie Bibb. It's, uh, um, oh, why am I freezing on her name? I, whatever, I'm freezing on her name. And she's, she's Pamela Anderson in the new Tommy Lee and Pamela. Oh, Lily James. Lily James, that's yeah. right. With Lily James. Our, it, right? John, how much have we pontificated about uh, our Lily, love of Lily James? Lily, I know. So The, the fact, greatest the, Cinderella ever. The, 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 she is such a good Cinderella. Go watch Cinderella. She was great in Baby Driver. She was so great, in, she in, was great in everything. She was great in, in uh, Downton Abbey. I mean, I really like her. Anyway, so there's this little movie called Yesterday. The basic premise is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it's a good little movie, but the premise is wonderful. Basically, this dude, songwriter, getting ready to give up on his dreams, gets hit by a bus when he's riding his bike, gets knocked out. When he wakes up, everything in the world is exactly the same, except that the world has never heard of the Beatles. And so he starts playing Beatles songs, and all of a sudden, he becomes the world's biggest rock star, right? Cool. It's a really interesting thing, and Lily James as a girl has always been in love with him and whatever. It's like, how lucky do you have to be that... The girl you never noticed who was always in love with you was Lily James. So anyway, so great, great concept for a movie. However, in a scene in the movie or in the trailers, the guy in question's on uh, one of the late night talk shows and he's on with Anna de Armas, who, of course, is one of the hottest actresses going right now. Her career is super hot right now, especially. Oh, my God. How good was her scene in James Bond? Her whole sequence of Bond was amazing, right? She was great in Blade Runner 2049, too. Oh, she was. And that's what a lot of people know of her. In Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Very cool. So there's a scene, a very prominent scene in the trailers that it cuts to several times in the trailer where you see where Anna DeArmas and this singer songwriter kind of share a moment and whatever. Here's the catch those scenes, that scene that they go back to like two or three times in the trailer is not in the movie. And that has pissed off some movie fans who claim the whole reason they got the movie, they bought the movie on Amazon for three, they rented it for $3.99. They're saying the whole reason they got it was because Anna Darmus is one of their favorite movie stars. They looked at the trailer on Amazon. There's Anna Darmus, and they watched the movie and Anna Darmus is not in it. And they are suing for, I think it's $50 million <laughs> or something like that. Something along those lines. Uh, they, this comes to us from the folks over at Deadline, read the following. Among other deceptions, now this is from the actual lawsuit, okay? This is text from the actual lawsuit. Among other deceptions, the defendant's nationwide advertising and promotion of the movie yesterday represents to prospective movie viewers that the world-famous actress Anna Armas has a substantial character role in the film. Defendant's movie yesterday, however, fails to include any appearance of Anna Armas whatsoever. Accordingly, defendant's advertising and promotion of the movie yesterday is false misleading and deceptive and here's the thing everything they just said is absolutely correct the movie represents to the potential consumers and at armis is in this movie so it is therefore reasonable to assume that some people acting on that promise decided to buy or rent or see this movie only to find out that anna de armis is in fact not in the movie now we have all seen and we understand that sometimes there are clips and scenes and trailers that are not in movies. Partially because, Rob, you and I have talked about this a lot, that quite often what happens is, is these, these trailers get made very, very early. And sure enough, their trailers included stuff that they thought was going to be a movie, but maybe later on the director decides to cut stuff out. It's purely innocent. But I can't remember, Rob, a time when a trailer actually had an, a famous actor in the trailer 
And then the actor just wasn't in the movie at all. Just wasn't there. I remember the the, the advertising for uh, Mission Impossible 2, the trailer made it look like it starred Tom Cruise and Anthony Hopkins. And Anthony Hopkins is in the movie for like five minutes. But he was at least there. This to me is interesting. Rob, do, do they have a point here? And th Is this something they could actually win or at least settle? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, this is, I think this is, first of all, they're not, they didn't go into something that's promising them Anna de Armas. It's promising them a movie called Yesterday. Now, the fact that she appears in the trailer, you just pointed out, John, that it's understood that a lot of times movie trailers, and this has been true for decades since they started making trailers, there's always a couple of scenes or shots or things, even in Marvel trailers, they make shots specifically for a trailer that's not going to be in the film. Uh, the first movie I ever worked on, Texas Chainsaw, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, had a teaser where the Excalibur chainsaw comes out of the water like the lady in the lake from excalibur delivering it to leatherface that wasn't the movie you know so if you wanted to see some and i think that what a trailer promises is a movie called yesterday it doesn't promise you a movie starring anna de Armas, even though she's in the trailer that doesn't necessarily think about the trailer original trailer for spider-man where it had the bank robbery scene where Spider-Man rescues and webs up a helicopter that gets that gets uh, trapped between the World Trade Center. That's not in the movie either. And so this is not something new, and I think only an idiot would get angry if there's and no Anna DeArmas <laughs> in yesterday, go watch Knives Out. Yeah. There's plenty of her in that movie. Uh, man, I see, one of the big caveats to that, though, is Anna DeArmas is still in the trailer. The trailers that they play on Amazon for renting the movie, sure, it's still this. They are still playing that trailer. Oh, that does change things when they're trying to get people to now rent the movie. So, like, you lose the excuse of ah, you know, when we cut the trailer, she was still in it. They're still using footage of Anna De Armas in this movie to promote and try to get people to buy the. They movie. They might be contractually obligated to do so. That seems that, that I mean, seems unlikely. The, the, the that thing seems is, unlikely. I mean, I don't know, but she did get paid. And, well, yeah, uh, he did get paid, but the but the issue isn't her. The issue is the audience. Because like, if I go, but I, but if I, I go think to the store and buy buy a buy a, I'm looking to buy a widget, right? Let's say I'm going to go buy a camera, right? And it says, you know, camera with lens, and there's a picture of the camera with a lens. For any of you guys who buy cameras, you know, you can buy cameras with just the body only without sure. a lens. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I can save you a bunch of money. But if I go into the store, and I go to Best Buy, and like, there's the box. It's like, oh, there's the camera I want. And it says, such as like Sony A6400 with kit lens. And there's a picture of the lens on the box. And I go, yay. I'm going, and based on that, I pick up that box and I buy it and I take it home. And then I open the box and I realize there's no lens in here. And they were like, yeah, well, we printed the boxes before we realized we weren't going to include but a lens in it. I think that's pretty similar to this. But in that scenario, you said camera with lens. That's what they're advertising. This is advertising a movie called Yesterday. Uh-uh. The moment you put Anna DeArmond... Let me bring the image up. I, I understand this, that, this but is, it's not this, promising you... When you... This is the cover of the box. This is the cover of the box. When when I, you're a movie goer and you're watching a trailer to determine if you're going to watch a movie, and they say to you, here it is, Anna, Anna DeArmond, there it is. They're advertising the movie. And the thing that they are advertising is right there. It's Anna de Armas. But you can say, though, that in the history of Hollywood, many actors have been cut out of movies. Sure, but are they so, in the trailers when they're cut out? 
Sometimes they have them. Like, so do, is, is, is it implied to the audience that that actor is in the movie and they're marketing? Well, I would say that that's not what a movie trailer is necessarily promising you. It's promising you a movie called Yesterday. And, Whatever and, that is, you know, whatever that so is. are you saying? Let me, let me, let, let me push you on this a little bit. Are you, yeah. saying, I'm saying, it are you saying that if you went in to see Yesterday and nothing that was in that trailer is actually in the movie, it's, it's, it actually doesn't even star these people. It stars uh, Pauly Shore and Dolph Lundgren as a couple of bank robbers. And are you saying that Ian. that's okay because the movie was still called no, Yesterday? No, it's not about what the movie, the, because the, the essence of the trailer is promising you a story about what if the Beatles never existed and somebody remembered them and could sing Beatles songs. Great premise, by the way. It's a great premise. As long as I'm seeing that movie, the, I think the argument can be made, the trailer itself is promising you a movie that's called Yesterday that has this premise. doesn't really matter who's in it, but but... If you're seeing a movie called Yesterday and you get that story. I don't know, man. I'm just trying to imagine Spider-Man fans going to see Spider-Man No Way Home with all of the Benedict Cumberbatch presence in the trailers and Doctor Strange wasn't in the movie. I'm just trying to imagine what Spider-Man fans reaction would be. But you raise a couple of really, really good points about what is the whole nature then of the trailer? What should the audience be willing mm -hmm. to expect from that? That's a great question that you mm -hmm. raise. Chris, when you look at this, I mean... Do these guys have a point? I mean, I, what is beyond dispute is that they are correct. This movie showed us that Anna Armas was in it. We bought the movie and she's not in it. Th that is, nobody's questioning it. That's that. How big of a deal? Do they have a point though to say that this represents false advertising or does it not? How do you see it? Well, this is such a great topic where your lawyer is showing a lot um, <laughs> because yeah, the wording is so important in legal issues. This is absolutely false advertising. It does promise you one thing and doesn't give you something. Now, Rob's being much more reasonable, right? Because yeah, things get cut. I'm I'm an actor who's been cut from things. I would love if booking a job guaranteed you were in the finished product. My life would be so much different if that were the case. But she was in the trailer, so I can understand expecting her to be there. Now, does that warrant you getting several hundred thousands of dollars? No, that's ridiculous. Life is going to be so much harder for you if this is how you react to things in your life. You know, if you're like, oh, that person's not in a movie and I deserve it. I just really hope that the ruling on this is that they're out of bounds because this is going to change a lot of stuff. Movie trailers, I think, in a way should be misleading. I think we should have had those Spider-Man trailers, right, that edited out a lot of those little extra characters. Um, I'm very fortunate to be friendly with one of the Marvel editors right now who makes <laughs> those trailers. And it is such a minefield having to do those edits. So I just really don't want that extra pressure put on them too of delivering goods. You're delivering a movie. That's what it should come down to at the end of the day. Well, you could also make the reverse argument that how come these trailers didn't show us that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are exactly. in Spider-Man? Like I would have gone to see it not knowing they weren't in it. I didn't go. So I missed it in the theaters. But is there a difference between, and I, and I, I don't mean this as a rhetorical question. No, no, of asking, course. Are, is there a difference though between like that the advertising of something has to show you everything that's in the box versus having something on the box that isn't in it? It's like, let's take the Hulk example in, uh, what the, the most famous example of this is the Hulk in the Infinity War trailer where you see Hulk running yep. alongside the other Avengers in Wakanda, right? I mean, you could still at least then make the point, like they obviously did that on purpose to be a little yeah. misdirect, but you can still at least make the point. Hulk is in the movie. All those characters are in the movie, even if that particular scene isn't. But, but here's, let me, let's go one step beyond here though. 
let's say a judge, because this is probably going to be moved into a class action situation where it's going to be these two guys with everybody else who got it and said, yes, we feel wrong that this happened. And there's probably going to be some punitive stuff attached. Let's say for, for argument's sake right now, that the court rules that yes, because what could very well happen here is the court could rule that, yeah, this is misleading advertisement. We find for the plaintiff in the, in the sum of $1. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But let's say, for example, they, the court does say, yes, this constitutes false advertising. Having this person who is not just some little side person like a John Campy or whatever, it's a major, major star, Anna Darmus, who's only bigger now than she's ever been. And the court rules that this does constitute false advertising, having her in the trailers and keeping her in the trailers. Even now, a couple of years later, now when you're marketing it on a different platform, here's the question for me. How does this affect the movie industry and how they do their trailers moving forward? Like, will, will they then have to take a closer look? Will this go beyond, we got we can't, we got to play it safe. We can't just have people in the trailer who aren't in the movie, but we got to start making sure that the scenes we show in the trailers are actually, I mean, how far and how big of a repercussion do you think this can have, Chris? That's what I'm so scared of. <laughs> right, yeah. Because I, I don't want to watch a movie trailer and see the whole movie. I hate when that happens. I think that's such bad editing. I want a taste. I want a little sample. Let, let me interrupt for a second because before Ray sees it, but somebody in the live chat just asked a great question. Ray, what if there's no moon in Moonfall? <laughs> how are you going to feel? What if Moonfall is not actually a movie about the moon attacking Earth, but it's about six college kids who stand on the side of the highways and show their bare asses to cars driving by? First of all, I know Rob's already interested in that movie. But as, as long as it's under an hour and a half, <laughs> 10 out of 10, baby. No, 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 no. Like this, this whole thing, this whole thing reminds me of it's, it's not even movie based. It's like uh, just with advertising itself. It's minutes. like Mad Madden 22, right? I'm going to talk about Madden 22. Right. They promised a new improved franchise mode, right? And I only play franchise in that on that in that game. Um, they even, if you pre-ordered it, they gave you franchise coins, which you could use, right? When the, when the game came out, it was completely broken. No improvements, oh, wow. right? So they, they want to update it. They're like, oh, we're going to give you what, what we told you we're going to give you. We'll update it in October, whatever, right? Then they sent that update. It wasn't anything. And then they say a bigger update coming up. It eventually led to them tweeting, oh, we're not going to given more updates on franchise mode we'll save it for next year or something like that oh i didn't even hear so, about that oh but, that's bullshit but but what the thing is the thing is people they um people get able to get the refund so that's that was like you just said hey i don't want man they're giving straight refunds so that's that's how they fix that problem with these two guys i have two free red box rental codes on my phone right now <laughs> i can give it to them right now if they're really so butthurt about it i just think it's ridiculous 50 million just for a rental come on well i mean this is look you could a larger issue is why is our court system is this really the best use of of our court time is this really what we should be doing with our lives and well, I, maybe. I, I, I would mean, say you have to prove damages. And I would say, mm. so Anna de Armas isn't in this movie. How does that damage you as a human being? How does that damage you? you you're out $3? Well, I mean, the, the idea of punitive damages, though, is th the whole concept of punitive damages is also meant to set an example by the court to say, if you are a corporation, you cannot try to take advantage of consumers 
like this with false advertising. So like these guys wouldn't, they wouldn't get a check for $15 million. It, no. would, it would probably be something else altogether. But I think a lot of really interesting concepts in race here. Now, like what is a movie trailer? What is actually, Rob raises a great question. What is actually promised in a movie trailer? What is not actually promised in a movie trailer? If this gets, here's the thing. I asked the question, what happens if a judge rules and forth? What happens if a judge says no? Does this then open up the gates for studios to go, you know what? We can get away with anything now. We can put, well, let's, let's put Arnold Schwarzenegger in the next trailer for Robert Pattinson's Batman and not have, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, well, I think it's very interesting though. As but long I don't as it's think him doing like a, a pun saying chill, yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. But I think though that, that both studios and I don't think studios want their trailers to necessarily be no, I deceptive right. because yeah. the studios are promising a product and they want you to go see that movie. You know they want you to see the, their product and like it. So what they're trying to do is 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 make you feel the best you can toward going to this movie in advance because ultimately it's still your choice as a consumer. You know, one of the biggest disappointments for me, as in like uh, something that I thought was going to happen but didn't happen, was that GI Joe the Part Two with Channing Tatum. Oh, when the Channing Tatum was in for the first yeah. five minutes, thank God. <laughs> and I was like, because I wanted to see him and Rock go back and forth a little bit. Yep, no such. Uh, that was the, that's well, probably the most recent disappointment I've had when it came to. I mean, if you're going to get angry, I thought Rise of Skywalker was going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on now. True. Well, oh, you're going to sue and, somebody, sue Disney for the whole sequel trilogy. And also the whole First part of the sequel trilogy was the awesome. The Hulk running in the Infinity War trailer. I think if, if Infinity War was a bad movie, a lot more people would probably have a bigger out. problem with no and, you're up because yeah. winning cures everything yeah if the movie's great nobody everybody will overlook everything if it's good you're right though that's a great point if that movie ended up being terrible every like everybody says like oh it's so cool that they put out a misdirect with the hulk okay that's because the movie was yeah. great if yeah. it wasn't great i bet everybody would be like and they lied to us with these the guys hulk must have not liked thing. yesterday at all <laughs> yeah well maybe anyway guys listen the question is for you I think this is a fascinating topic. I think a lot of interesting points have been raised. What do you think about this? What do you think about fans actually taking a studio to court over the thing is you showed us this big movie star in the trailer and that movie star wasn't in the movie. Do you think there's a point? Do you think it's being taken too far? However you guys feel about it, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down and out of the way, let's move on to main topic number three. Chris. What is our third main topic today? Topic three is coming from Jeff Bingham. We're practically beating a dead horse at this point, continuing to talk about the box office for Spider-Man No Way Home. But after this past weekend, it has reached another milestone, surpassing Jurassic World to become the number six highest grossing film worldwide with 1.69 billion, making it the highest grossing film under 2 billion. This is probably the final milestone it will pass unless it finally manages to secure a release in China. How are we feeling about these numbers? All right. Yeah. You, you know, you're, I love the way you put it, Jeff. It almost feels like we're beating a dead horse because every day it feels like we can talk about another big accomplishment for Spider-Man No Way Home. Yada, yada, yada. Incredible numbers. Yada, yada, yada. Breaking all these records. Yada, yada, yada. Keep it in context. It did it during the pandemic era. Yada, yada, yada. It did it without China. Yada, yada, yada. It did it with some markets having their theaters closed. And yet it continues to climb and, and do all that. Guys. First of all, last week, Spider-Man No Way Home got bumped out of the number one spot by Scream with a very, very solid, you know, outing for Scream and that made the 30-something million dollars. Congratulations to Scream. Well done. I wasn't even looking forward to that movie and I had a good time. It was fun. Now, unsurprisingly, 
Spider-Man No Way Home, because once you get into these things, you take 50% drop, 60% drop, then in later weeks, those drops become 30%, 20%. So not surprisingly, Spider-Man has taken back the number one spot over Scream. So Spider-Man is back at number one again, making a dozen or something, whatever million dollars. One of the key things here, though, is that is actually more interesting is that Spider-Man No Way Home has passed Jurassic World, something I didn't think it would do. But it is now past Jurassic World as the number six all-time worldwide box office leader. And there it will stay. I feel a thousand percent confident it is not going to catch Avengers Infinity War, which is like means it would have to make another $340 million in order to catch Avengers Infinity War. And that's not going to happen. But of course, we see the top five here. Avatar is the number one all-time movie. Avengers Endgame, number two. Titanic, number three. Star Wars Episode uh, Seven: The Force Awakens. And Avengers Infinity War is there. The number six worldwide. And again, I know it sounds, we've said it a lot. If you had asked even the most optimistic Spider-Man fan, if this movie coming out in the time it is coming out would actually become the number six all time worldwide box office champ. I think most sane people would have said no chance. Now there are some people who were saying it's going to make $3 billion, but there, there are those people with every movie that comes out, but still this is don't, don't sleep on this. This is incredible. This is an absolutely phenomenal uh, turn of events for this movie and accomplishment taking back that number one spot. Uh, I mean, I can't remember. I mean, Jackass might become the number one film. Moonfall might become the number one film. I don't know. <laughs> Guaranteed. But Guaranteed. I mean, I'm telling you, this is pretty damn impressive. Rob, I mean, you and I have been talking about this for weeks, but it nonetheless, it does not stop being impressive. You And I think too many people are sleeping on the fact of what this movie has accomplished, given the circumstances. We It's now the number six film all time. I didn't think it would get there. How significant is this? How big of a deal is this? Well, look, it's it's pretty amazing that the Marvel Cinematic Universe continues to delight and entertain. But on the other hand, it delighted and entertained. I was sitting in a movie theater I haven't seen. I was sitting in a movie theater with you. Yes, sir. Because you got us into a, a theater full of fans of this show and fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we sat in that theater. John, I, the, the excitement was palpable on numerous occasions, even more so than Endgame or Infinity War, there were audible gasps and laughter and delight and and people just had a damn good time. And this is exactly why we go to big budget franchise entertainment. And I think it just goes to show you that when you have that and, and people get what they want, they'll show up. You know, so often we go to these movies and they leave us with a twinge of disappointment. Whereas this film, as it moved along, you got more and more and more invested. And not only did it play the nostalgia cards and all that, which were great, but then it also gave us real emotion and pathos. At the end, it's really the story of three brothers who didn't even know they were brothers who come together and, and, and give us a feeling that you don't normally expect from a comic book movie like this. And I think that that's what it delivered. And when you're able to do something like that, lo and behold, you make lots of money. <laughs> and did you hear speaking that 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 uh, Andrew Garfield that line at the end where he's like I love you guys that was ad libbed oh, yeah. they they completely ad libbed in that here's the other thing to remember about that as you're sitting in these theaters and I remember when we I mean we were lucky enough that we had a private theater booked for us for for Spider Man but the whole theater was playing Spider Man yeah and you could tell by looking around you could tell even in our theater 
That was a lot of people's first time back to the movies in almost two years. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you could feel that energy and that excitement. Chris, as you look at this and, and you're seeing, you know, they, they continue to hit, hit these milestones, break these records, number six all time. What's the significance of all this to you? I think it's just going back to what Rob said. It just shows you the power of storytelling. Because I went and saw this movie, not in a private theater. I wasn't invited to that. I was out with the Unlocked <laughs> Mathem. Um, but it, I had seen a couple movies in theaters by then. But this was the first time I felt what I love about being in a movie theater since right. the pandemic. There were people cheering in our theater when stuff happened that we all kind of hoped for. People would be like, I knew it. It was great. You could hear people sobbing for moments yeah. too. Yeah. It was just this really lovely, beautiful experience. And that's what movies should do is it should make us all feel this lovely connection, even if we don't know whoever is sitting, you know, a seat over from us. Yeah. So I really, really think it just goes to show if you tell a good story, people are going to show up. That's really what it comes down to. Sure, this is strong IP. This is IP that people love. We love those Marvel movies. But I know a whole bunch of my friends who aren't comic book people who adored this film and yeah. then went back and started falling in love with other Marvel movies. So... I think it's just showing you what we can do with movies. Mm. It's the power right. of movie making. And also, whether you like the movie or not, I think during this time, this is exactly the movie we need. We needed. Yeah, a lot absolutely. Of no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Being at home, not seeing their friends, it was the perfect movie. And in such a bad time, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's such a scary time. We all needed this. This was like the best experience I've had since the first Avengers. Like it'll be forever stuck in my memory. So yeah. I mean. Um, and also, there's going to be a third trailer. <laughs> during the Super Bowl, during the asshole. Super Bowl, if they show Andrew and Toby. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming back to theaters, I'm telling baby. You it's coming. Because at the Super Bowl <laughs> halftime, you're going to have Dr. Dre, you're going to have Snoop, and then you're going to have Rising Out of a Platform Out of the Ground, yep, yep. three Spider-Men, and they're going to swing around the thing. It's going to be awesome. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. This third trailer, John, is still coming. You're such a dick. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you make of this? The, the, the fact that Spider-Man not only has gotten the number one spot at the box office again, that's not that big of a deal because of what's out, but I mean, it's taken the number six all-time worldwide spot, which is incredibly impressive. How do you guys feel about this? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into our final main topic here today. Chris, what is our fourth and final main topic today? This one's from Austin Michaels. Following up on a story you guys talked about last week with the Batman being about three hours long, did you see that apparently they had already screened a four-hour cut of the film? What do you think they cut over an hour out of the movie? Was it to keep it from being too long? Was one of the storylines in the movie not working? Do you think they did this just so Ray would have a little more downtime? You know, <laughs> What do you guys think? I think that's exactly what it is. It's like, you know that Ray Ora guy? Let's do something He's with that. He's not sitting through four hours. <laughs> Listen, here's the thing. We have been. It, it's been a big topic of conversation the last couple of weeks about... What is the runtime of the Batman going to be? And it turns out the Batman is going to be the second longest theatrical comic book movie in history, only behind Avengers Endgame. And coming in, clocking in, they said two hours and 47 minutes before credits. And we all know, of course, official runtime includes credits, which means it is going to come in around that two hour and 55 minute, maybe even three hour mark, like it was said in IMDb. And hell, if they have post-credit scenes, it could even extend past three hours at this point. But that's what we got. And it's interesting that they do that because normally with a lot of these franchises, they'll start. And then as the movies progress, they'll get longer. 
Matt Reeves isn't effing around. Matt Reeves is like, no, man, I got a story to tell. And I'm trying to create this world, this new idea of Batman, this new incarnation of Batman and a different way of looking at Gotham and the world that surrounds it. And we are going to go balls to the wall. We're going to go heavy on this and we're going to do what I want to do. And it's going to be like three hours long. Number one, kudos to Warner Brothers for letting him do this because not every regime at Warner Brothers the last number of years would have allowed that to happen. So they've allowed this to happen. Good, good on them. Whether or not three hours is the right runtime or the wrong runtime for this movie, we won't know until we see it. Like we may come out and go, man, that was good. Oh, if they had sliced 20 minutes out of it and just made it move a little better. Maybe, maybe we'll come out of it going, that movie needed 30 more minutes. I mean, who knows? We will have to wait and see. But a three-hour thing of this movie is coming. It remains my number one most anticipated movie of the year. So excited. Yes, even more than Thor Love and Thunder. Yes, even more than Doctor Strange 2. Yes, even more than all the other great movies that are coming out this year. The Batman is the movie that I am most excited for. Well, even though this might be something out of Ray Orr's nightmares, <laughs> it, is, it wasn't just a three-hour. They recently screened a four-hour cut oh of this God. film. This comes to us from the folks. Right, so excited about this. This comes to us from the folks that are coming soon to write, write the following. In a new edition of the Hollywood Reporter's Heat Vision newsletter, it was reported that some test screenings for the Batman showed off an early four-hour cut of the film. While it's unlikely that the film was ever planning on releasing a version of the film that long in theaters, it does go to show that there still seems to be a decent amount of content that director Matt Reeves has put at his disposal for potential director's cuts, or more importantly for me, potential bonus features uh, to be attached to the movie and all that kind of stuff. All right, let's talk about this for a second. Number one, whenever you hear reports about early test screenings, it's bullshit. Just, just, just assume the moment you hear a report of anything about early test screens is bullshit, unless it comes from the studio itself or it comes from the Hollywood Reporter or Variety. If it comes from there, you, you know that's real. So there was a test screening of four hours. Number two, contrary to what was asked in the question, they didn't cut this movie down to three hours. Like they said in Coming Soon, this was they were never going to release a four-hour version. It's just that once you make this a movie... You make it, and then you start the process of editing it and editing it down. Uh, Mel Gibson, I quote this all the time, Mel Gibson once famously said on the extra features of Braveheart, he said, cutting out scenes of your movie is like killing one of your own children. Because you, you spend years planning, prepping, building sets, getting everybody on set, spending days or even weeks filming a certain sequence, and then you cut it out of the movie. But you always have to do what's best for the movie. But still, early in the process, you're going to have a longer version, and it's going to get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. But what it does tell me is that the fact that they even got down to a screening version of this that was at four hours tells me Matt Reeves has a lot to say because <laughs> you think a, probably a lot of material got cut out of this movie before that screening stage. So it tells me he's got a lot to say. It tells me that there is probably going to be a lot of bonus feature stuff to going into this. And it tells me it makes the three hour runtime make more sense. Now that three-hour runtime starts to make more sense. That tells me that Matt wasn't just... Because, look, I love Peter Jackson, but, guys, one of Peter Jackson's biggest flaws to me, especially after Lord of the Rings, was never wanting to cut out any of his own material. You especially saw that in his King Kong movie. Because there, like there was a good 45 minutes to an hour of that movie that could have been cut out. But what this tells me is that Matt Reeves 
Because if you just see a three-hour runtime thinking, well, maybe it's just filled with a lot of fluff. Mm -mm. If they were screening a four-hour version, that means this three-hour version we're getting is the lean version of this movie. And that excites me. Yeah. That excites me a lot. Anyway, Rob, let me ask you this. Yeah, you, you hear about this. You see that they've already like done some test screenings with a four-hour cut. What does that tell you about maybe where Matt, how Matt Reeves is approaching this movie? And what does that tell you about the three-hour version we're ultimately going to end up with? Well, I think what a lot of people don't understand about film editing is you can have all of these great scenes. Like, let's say you're shooting a bunch of scenes and all those scenes are five pages long. When you see them all cut together, they can play long because you're conveying information the audience is understanding through a gesture or, or a, a, an editorial decision can tell you the same thing that lines of dialogue do as well. So when you're cutting a movie together, you might have shot a brilliant five page scene that's five minutes long. But when you really get down and edit the scene, it might wind up being two and a half or three minutes. So you've lost two minutes of the scene, but the scene's still really good. It still really, really plays well. So I'm sure that this film is, like we've talked about, very complex. It has very many different storylines that are playing. Probably, what are the City Fathers doing? What is the Riddler doing? What is Penguin doing? What is Catwoman doing? What is Batwoman doing with Catwoman? What All these things are happening. There's a lot of moving parts. This is not just Batman versus one villain. And so, with a sprawling story like this, it has a lot of interconnection, and it... it it, they they probably showed you everything when they had all the scenes down. They thought, these are all good. This is the movie that we shot. How does it play? What do you think? And once you get that feedback, then you start cutting the film down and really doing the nitty yep. gritty, which is, it, this is a process that happens with every movie. I can tell you very few movies in the history of Hollywood ever were, were, were short when you finally cut them all together. They're always long. Even Tango Shalom was like two hours and 45 minutes when we did the first cut of the movie. We cut almost an hour out of it. I, I Sorry to correct you on your own movie, but it's Oscar favorite, oh, Tango yeah. Shalom. Oscar eligible. Just wanted, Oscar eligible, sorry. Oscar. No, no, I stand by Oscar, Oscar favorite. favorite. I stand you know, by Oscar thing, favorite. Well, John, I watched The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Fincher's version yesterday as well. Um, and that movie's two and a half hours long. It's a pretty complex storyline. And if you go by the Swedish version, the television version, it's even longer. And that's an almost three-hour uh, experience. And and there aren't that many moving parts in that. But it's totally engrossing. When you look at this, Chris, and you see, first of all, we haven't had you on when we were talking about the three-hour length. But first of all, we're getting the Batman is going to be like three hours long. Mm -hmm. But there was a four-hour version. When you hear that, that there was a four-hour version already screening, does that give you any kind of insight as to maybe what we can expect in the three hours? What tells you about Matt Reeves' philosophy? What are you expecting out of oh, this? Absolutely. Because it's Matt Reeves, I'm expecting so much world building, right? This is somebody who brought us the Planet of the Apes remakes, the Cloverfield film, I mean, which has so much stuff. We've talked about that on the show before, just yeah. all the intricate background things, all the slusho ads and everything. He really, really fleshes out a world. So for me, a four-hour runtime makes sense. And yeah, of course, that <laughs> needs to be whittled down. That's, that's a long time even for me to be in a movie. So I'm just really excited about a very in-depth look at Gotham. I mean, there was just a scene released recently, that funeral scene, yeah. right? Oh we my goodness, that funeral Robert, scene was so good. It's so good. Robert Pattinson doesn't speak a word in it. So that's some of the stuff I'm expecting too. Lovely long shots of just some like 
brooding and emoting because the camera is so much smarter. It's going to pick up everything these actors are doing. Yeah. So just those little little micro expressions, everything. That's what I'm excited to see. A really well acted, really nuanced Batman film with some cool, cool characters. And that, by the way, I, I'm we so didn't glad talk you brought about up the, the that funeral, funeral scene. scene. Yeah. But that just silhouettes of the Riddler up in the balcony so of the churches with the eye contact being made. I'm like, I, I, like Robert Pattinson's look as Bruce Wayne in there, yeah, maybe wouldn't have been my design choice. He's a Whatever. little early 2000s My Chemical Romance. Yeah, but I'm telling you, the <laughs> intensity, I'm so glad you brought up too that we didn't get a word out of him. That intensity of him noticing what's up there in the rafters and the eye contact and then the expression on it. You know what it reminded me of? I'm not saying it's as good, but it reminded me of that expression Ben Affleck made on his face in the beginning of Batman versus Superman when he's trying to rescue that little girl from the rubble and he looks up to the sky to look at Zod and Superman fighting in the sky and that anger and that intensity. There was a little bit of reminiscence in that as Robert Pattinson is looking up there too that I thought was really, really cool. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Well, no, wait a minute. I'd be remiss if I didn't go to Ray on this. Oh, no. Ray, four-hour. How excited are you? Like, did it move? Did you get a little stiff thinking about a four-hour version of Batman? Are you excited? Like I said, I no movie should ever be the amount of sleep I get at night. <laughs> no, for real. I, I have to see this clip that you're talking about. I'm oh, so yeah. Just, the I haven't seen it great. yet. Did it just go up? Yeah, it went up like a day or two, a couple yeah. of days ago. Okay, yeah, I got to watch it. It's really, really good. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this report? I mean, it's not surprising that an early screening of it in studio is going to be longer, but the three-hour version is the pared-down version of this film. How are you guys feeling about that? Where's your excitement level for the Batman right now? Whatever you guys are feeling, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that all down, we're going to move over and start taking your live comments and questions. But before we do, we're going to just take a, a quick little three-minute intermission here. We're going to give ourselves a chance to stretch our legs, refill our drinks, give you a chance to talk amongst yourselves, do whatever it is you need to do. But as we do, though, we're going to go over to Earth to John for a second because we did a companion video the other day. And somebody wrote in a really interesting question about, you know, Peacemaker a lot of vulgarity, a lot of mature content. It does that meet your sensibilities? And I thought it was a really interesting question. So let's throw it over to Earth 2, John, here for a second, talking about our own personal sensibilities when it comes to certain types of content. We'll be right back. All right. Legally Eagly writes one of three. I love that you're enjoying Peacemaker, and I wish James Gunn and crew all the success in the world. I hate the show. I can't get on board. There are intriguing story ideas, White Dragon and Butterflies and great characters, Eagly and Vigilante, but Peacemaker is so vulgar. Tits galore, a pick of a vagina, that whole P and V joke, more F words in three episodes than The Departed. I think every other line has an F word just to be edgy. The humor is cringy with jokes going on for too long. I half expected Cena to pull out his dong and twirl it around while dancing. It's an overload of filthy and it's too much for me. I'm in the minority for sure, but I'm done. The opening dance number was goofy. The first time I skipped it and the next, the first time, but I skipped it the next two times. All right. Well, listen, legally, eagly, uh, legally, eagly. I like the name, by the way. Look, the show doesn't work for you. That's perfectly fine. Look, here's the thing. All the, like the, the vulgarity stuff and the effort, that stuff doesn't sit with your sensibilities. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, I remember I walked out of, damn, what was the name of the movie? The Johnny Knoxville movie. I think it was called The Ringer, right? And in The Ringer, 
it's Johnny Knoxville who is just a normal dude and he pretends to be, I, I don't know what the proper term is, a handicapped or special needs, whatever. He pretends to be that so he can compete in the Special Olympics. And so there's a lot of characters in the movie uh, who are special needs dudes. And the comedy in it, I look, I understand. I know the comedy in that movie. It's one of the only films I ever walked out of. I understand that the intention of the movie was totally good. It's just that to me, the way my personal sensibilities are, it came across to me, even though I know this wasn't their intention. It came across to me like they were making fun of special needs people. And that just felt icky to me, even though I know they didn't mean it that way. And for a lot of people, the, the movie was taken the way it was probably intended, like laughing together and, and, and just making, just having a celebration of the Special Olympics and all that kind of stuff. But for me and my sensibilities, it didn't sit right. And so I had to get up and walk out. Now, I'm not saying I was right and other people were wrong. Not at all. It's just that the way my particular sensibilities were, it just didn't feel right. So I left. For you, your sensibilities, that stuff doesn't jive with you. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to lie to you and pretend like they don't jive with me. I find it to be very funny. I find it to be funny. And there, I find an odd authenticity about it. I know that sounds weird to say about something so over the top. But amidst the F-bombs and the sex stuff and, and whatever, there's something oddly authentic about it to me. But that's just me and my sensibilities, right? So, hey, man, it doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for you. Nothing wrong with that. Everybody's got some things that they, their own personal sensibilities don't allow them to enjoy certain things. This happens to be one for you. Nothing wrong with that. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on it. All right, next up. All right, everybody, and we are back. Thank you to my counterpart over there on Earth 2 for bringing uh, that insightful commentary on that but now guys let's move on over and start taking your live comments and questions so we're going to start off with the super chats that you guys were sending in and we're going to get things going here with uh wizard uh elliot wizard wizard right uh <laughs> what do you think sony needs to do for marvel to be able to make the amazing spider-man 3 i mean that's i i honestly don't know like first of all sony can make the amazing spider-man 3 on their own yeah. they don't need anybody's permission they can just go ahead and make the Amazing Spider-Man 3. Now that their existing deal with Marvel is done, they can do whatever they want with the Spider-Man characters. It's up to them. So it's really not what they need to do for Marvel. It's just that they can do whatever they want to do right now. Uh, next up, Al Renshaw writes, that funeral scene clip was amazing. We were just talking about that. Ray is, I think, looking it up right now. It looks like Ray is looking. <laughs> no, if I go over to Ray's thing, he's looking like he's looking up that thing right now. I mean, All if right. that's an indication of the quality of the movie, we're going to be getting something. Then we're in for a treat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next up, Raphael Castillo writes, Welcome back, Chris Carr. Thanks, Raphael. Yeah, it's so great. Listen, honestly, we, we, I've explained the situation before, but when the, obviously our show is an in-studio show. When the pandemic hit, we started to go remote. And we tried with Chris. We weren't quite able to make it work with Chris I remote. I next to construction. My Wi-Fi was going out all the time. Yeah, it wasn't quite solid enough, reliable no. enough for us to do it that way. And so she wasn't able to be on the show. And then when we started doing things uh, in studio and then we had an opening here, she was the first person I called. I said, are, are, are you ready to come back? 
And she was like, nah, you're going to have to sweet talk me. You're going to have to, you're going to have to make me an offer. I can't refuse. I spent like three years just in my house with dogs, man. I was like, this is pretty chill. You godfathered early. You godfathered, pretty, you godfathered everybody. Yeah. By the by the way, I, I got it. I look forward to seeing Logan again. For those of you who oh. don't know, um, Chris is, is married to Logan. He's who's the a best totally person. delightful dude. I He's really the greatest. Like oh, thank you. Yeah, he is so funny and so wonderful. And I'm so excited for the world opening back up too so he can start doing stand-up again. So I never even knew he did stand-up. Yeah. I should have known. He's a pretty funny guy. Okay. He also kills on. runners. Yeah. It's true. It's true. What? <laughs> Logan's run. Oh, sorry. those are the two things. Either he's the Wolverine, or <laughs> I was thinking, it was it? Is this a Wolverine joke, Logan? No, no, sorry. I know. I'm so old. It's a '70s joke now. It goes all it's the way back. back. I know you make '70s jokes about Soylent Green and Logan's Run. People there like, what? Go. or Rollerball. Next up, Mr. Graham ninety one writes: uh, Was fully prepared for that. That's why Tom Brady is the goat. Tweet exhilarating fourth quarter. Yeah, but listen. They did not. I, I'm sorry. Listen, I am the biggest Tom Brady fan. I am. But they didn't lose that game in the last second field goal. They lost that game in the first quarter. Yeah. And I, like, I am sorry. I am the biggest. He is the GOAT. Tom Brady is without doubt the GOAT. There's nobody who comes close. But he did not even look remotely interested in that game. Like in the first quarter or the first half, eh, he looked sluggish. They looked unprepared. They now, yeah, get to, they were down twenty-seven to three, and he ended up tying it up twenty-seven all. I mean, only Brady. Is he going to play again, or was that his last? game? I think that's his last game. I think he retires. He's forty-four. He's got commercial residuals and Giselle, and he's like, got Giselle, who is richer than him? Yep. She oh, makes so more money than more. him. So much more. I'm uh, staying home and playing Xbox all day. Uh, I just don't like, I don't want to see him say, let's go for another in those, <laughs> those the, Hertz the, ads. The, the, yeah, Hertz ads. <laughs> I mean, I can't deal with that. All right, next up. Uh, we go, uh, Jack Master Nord writes, Hey, John, I tweeted you on Saturday with my NFL picks this weekend. The only one that I got wrong was Buffalo versus KC. I went two and two. I picked Cincy over Tennessee, and I was right about that. I picked LA over... Tampa Bay, and I was right about that. I picked Buffalo too, and I'm sorry, they've got to change the overtime rule. The over, I've said for years, this is the dumbest rule because when you're, if you're watching that Buffalo KC game, the way the offenses were going, they scored 25 points in the last two minutes. Whoever won the coin toss was going to win the game. I mean, everybody knew it. Everybody. In America, watching that football game knew whoever wins this coin toss wins the game. The fact that you had one of the all-time great classic NFL playoff games of all time with the two, this is the new Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, okay? It's Josh Allen and uh, Mahomes. Allen and Mahomes, that's the new Brady, um, uh, why did I just free on, uh, and Manning, that's the new Brady Manning. Right? These are going to be the two premier superstar quarterbacks for the next 15 years. And you ended this all-time classic game on a coin toss. Josh Allen didn't even get to get on the field. And sometimes that's worked out in my favor for my teams. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. It's a dumb rule. College. The college overtime rule is better. Sorry, I'm going off on too much sports in this. I'm very, very passionate about this topic. Anyway, uh, let's keep going here. Uh, let's see. Sam Fisher writes, uh, hey, Rob, are excited for the new Moon Knight uh, miniseries, Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, from the recent X-Men writer Jonathan Hickman. I am. Okay, I'm a huge fan of Hickman, and the fact that he's writing a Moon Knight series excites me. I mean, I'm one of those people that read House of X and Power of X, and I'm like, 
I really liked it. I know a lot of people. It was out there for some people, but as a science fiction story, I dug it. Bring it on. I can't wait to read Hickman's run. Of course, I'm not going to buy the flippers. I'm going to buy the hardcover. All right. Next up, we got Sam Fisher, who also writes, John, uh, that figure company I mentioned before, Gentle Giant, have a mini bust of, of protocol droid, Triple Zero. Ooh, that's the one that I keep talking about. Uh, available. Thought you would be interested. I am interested. By the way, Gentle <laughs> Giant has some really, really good they stuff do. for more reasonably priced than, say, Sideshow or Hot Toys do. So I'll probably look into that. Thank or you, Or Prime Sam. One. Uh, Russell Amador writes, hey, John, quick question. Based upon all the live action Batman costumes, which would you say is your favorite? Mine so far is the new Pattinson one. Honestly, costumes don't matter much to me. They really don't. I mean, because look, again, I bring this up all the time. Black Lightning is a great show. I loved that so show. So good. The costume is one of the worst I've ever seen in television history. That's fair. I mean, it's it's an <laughs> awful costume. It doesn't it look, the, the costume, even though it was very much influenced by Kingdom Come, the costume that uh, Brandon Routh wore in the uh, Infinite Crisis crossover, that was a very lame-looking costume. I mean, the, the, obviously, it comes back to Kingdom Come, but it was lame, but it didn't matter. It was Brandon Routh in the Superman costume again, right? So, honestly... I don't, if you like classic look, I guess you got to go Keaton. I really do like this look, though. I, I like this it's Pattinson good. Batman outfit. Do you guys have a favorite? I, I, look, I, I like the Dark Knight version of Christian Bale's costume, but I also really love Ben Affleck's version. I was going to say, I love yeah. shortier Frank Millery cowl. Yeah, man. Yeah. And that, that suit is dope. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it looks intimidating. Yeah, you know, it looks like it's paramilitary quasi that he he looks like he can f you up. He's yeah. a bruiser. Yeah, and yep. that's what you want. Batman should be able to kick your ass. Yes. All right. Next up, uh, let's see. Matt writes, "Hey John, I think we saw on the best football." probably meant one of uh, I think we just saw one of the best football games of all time last night and just my opinion uh, but I think overtime should be a full 10 minutes I, I think you should should each side should get a possession you go until there's a yes. winner but it was an incredible game if you had any doubts about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes oh my god we are in for a lot of fun fun years watching these guys play football all right Sam Fisher writes would you have ever uh, would you have ever gone to a Lord of the Rings live event like you went to for Black Panther earlier this year? I can't imagine a three hour long show like that. Absolutely. I would. Wasn't the was that the one you came with us? Dude, yes, it was so good. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about. So they at the Hollywood Bowl, they did a, a Black Panther in concert where they played the movie on the big screens, but they removed the music tracks and then they brought the live orchestra on with the actual like African musicians that played on the original soundtrack with this orchestra in, and they played the music along with the movie. It was so good. It was incredible. And those drummers, that, oh, one, that one guy on the, I mean, that percussionist, it was amazing. I mean, you got us great seats. That play, it was awesome. That was one of my most favorite experiences. I've been to Hollywood Bowl a lot in the last 30 years. That was awesome. And would I go? To a Lord of the Rings oh, thing of that? Yeah. Oh, are absolutely. You, are you kidding me? My dog is named Gimli, son of Gloin. That is the, that is the name of her dog, by the way. Oh. That would be so. Okay. Let me I couldn't get you guys ready this. to go to it, though. Which of the three Lord of the Rings movies with that live orchestra would you want to see? Two Towers. That's Return what I was going to say. I think I'll go Return of the King. Yeah. Although the, the music that plays during the Battle of Helm's Deep in Two yep, Towers. That's what I'm thinking about. Exactly. Oh. So good. Now for uh, wrath, now for ruin and a red dawn. How did it come right! to this? <laughs> so good. Okay, anyway, next up. Um, Sam also writes, 
I found the Moon Knight statue that you got, Rob, uh, but at $150. I have other statues that size, but they were 40 bucks. I don't know if I can justify the cost. I can't remember what I paid for yours. I, I made a video about it. I was in uh, Frankenstein's when I bought my Captain America uh, Infinity War hot toy. First hot toy I've bought in like five years. And it's a good one. And it's a, it's a really good one. Why it's still in the, still box. the box. I know. Rob is very disappointed on, me that's man. still in the box. <laughs> you know what I should do? I think I'm going to take it out of the box, maybe put up a stand right beside you and have it right beside you in the shot. Yeah. Wait, I have a very real question about this. You don't want to keep it in the box? I, I do no, with my pops. I'm okay, talking about the hot this toy is, Yeah, this is, these different people have different strokes for different folks. So we take the hot toys out and we assemble them and we make them look gorgeous. Yes. We don't keep them hyper- no. Okay. No way. Hopefully right. you put them in really nice display cases like Maja cases. You keep okay. the boxes, but toys are it, look, if you're buying toys as as an investment opportunity, you're doing it wrong. Okay. <laughs> you know, you know and with hot toys like it's probably one of the only rare collectibles where open ones actually go up in value. Well, if you keep like, everything for used ones, used hot toys on eBay, a lot of them are higher price than, oh yeah because you can't get them yeah because okay. you can't get them no more they just so. start at such a high price point that i figured yeah. that was one that was and like you get it and you never touch it mm -mm. that's why you have to take okay. it out it's because you spend so much money on them like no. why wouldn't no, yeah the okay. only reason i keep my pops in their box like somebody's mm -hmm. oh do you keep them boxes no, no no the only reason i keep the pops in the box is number one i think the box is gorgeous too mm -hmm. but number two they're much easier to display because you yeah, can exactly. stack them exactly right on yeah, top exactly. of yeah. Right? You're, yeah. you're not really like posing your pops. yeah yeah right. exactly okay i do love my pops thanks for explaining that y'all all right next up <laughs> uh we got rafael castillo who writes uh robert meyer burnett uh, look up a book called Liar. It's chock full of villains, liars, floor plans from tons of films, uh, black with silver type and illustrations. Are you familiar with this one? I don't one? know this book. Sounds like it's right in my it alley, It sounds though. like a great coffee table book. Yeah, though, for absolutely. A movie that sounds good. I wonder Thanks for called, uh, the recommendation. It's a movie right book? I'm not, it's called Liar. It's chock full of villains, liars, floor you, plans from tons layer. of films. You know what's not a good coffee table Is it book? Lair? Is that, so it's Lair, not Liar? Oh, oh. you're right, Lair. I, I misread it. Sorry about that. There's a book called death scenes that i accidentally opened up in a barnes and noble it's not a coffee uh, table book because i was looking for yeah, like, one accidentally because i thought book. it was just like you know like some sort of whatever okay i i knew what was in there i just wanted to look <laughs> all right okay fine okay fine and then that's just like corpses of like what did you death. expect and it was like but why did they make it like right there they should put that behind the counter or else me, I'll look at it and be traumatized for life. That's exactly why they did that. That's exactly God, why they did it. There should be plastic around it or something. All right. Next up, John Redcorn writes, uh, which film in February will be the biggest opening weekend? In my opinion, it's Uncharted, but don't sleep on Jackass. It's going to be Uncharted. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Well, come on. Dude, come on. We have bro, Moonfall. Moonfall. I mean, honestly, I think it's going to be Uncharted. Look, I don't think Uncharted is going to open to $100 million, but I do think it's going to be the biggest opening. I know I'm going to be there opening night for Jackass. Are you really? Oh, yeah. Opening night? I'm, yeah. Yeah, we I already got my tickets, man. <laughs> opening oh, tickets. I, I cannot wait. But is there any, I mean, is, is there any disagreement there? It's going to be Uncharted? No. It's Especially probably Uncharted, but uh, I'm not excited about it. I am. I'm actually quite excited. I really like that. I know I know that I should just be over it, but I love that Nathan Fillion short film he did. I know. And, and With Stephen Lang? Yes. Yeah. Tom, Tom's just so young. But, you know, at least you know, Marky Mark has a mustache now. There's there's that, at least. That's fine. <laughs> I, I'm actually quite interested in um, um, Antonio Banderas as the villain. So much blood. Right, I was so like, much. no, Antonio, too sexy. <laughs> I mean, oh, okay, that looks good to me. All right, uh, next up. 
Uh, Jack Master Nord writes, I'm going to see Moonfall on Wednesday also. Nice. Yeah. yeah we're going to do a whole video on us going to see Moonfall. You watch. And I never would have guessed that three months the ago. The last days of humanity are upon, <laughs> is upon us. The great turning point in the quality of movies in all history. All right. Screen Talk writes, Hey, everyone. Love you all. Thank you so much, Screen Talk. Uh, posted my first video and was inspired by all of you. Everyone, how do you feel about the Friday franchise? I love them. Look, the importance of the Friday franchise and the significance of them can't be overlooked. And there have been so many stories and things. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't, I mean, I don't, it's not my go-to movies to watch. Friday, like Friday and next Friday. Yeah, not like yeah. Friday Night Lights. Or, yeah. or Friday, okay. Friday the 13th. No, no Friday. I'm, I'm Friday. Friday. Just Friday. Yeah, that's my, that's what I'm thinking. I thought you were going to go to Friday Night Lights. Uh, yeah, I didn't know. I mean, but, but are we talking any movie with the word Friday? Yeah. In it? I immediately yeah. went to Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, that's the whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know all my friends are horror fans. We say the Friday friend, but I the Friday movies are really good though. The the Friday that we're talking yeah. about. Uh, there was some there was some controversy going on about. Um, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, that's stuff for another time. But yes, they're remembered fondly. All right, next up. Uh, we've got Cincinnati's five star barber. Who oh, must yeah. be in a real good mood Ooh, right egg. now. Two more games, baby. On a side note, I just hit up the dark web and got myself a pet Bengal named Tigerly. <laughs> LOL. That will that will be all. Who day? Who day? Who day? Oh man, it's day's gonna be the Chiefs. I'll, listen, I'll, why are you being defeatist? He says that every week. But no, let's let's face it. The Chiefs are gonna slaughter them. I mean, yeah, I think so because they already got their game plan, and then like you know. <laughs> yeah, the Bengals like, what do we do now? No, Chris it's and, and, and no, no, just the mere fact that you can't hear in that stadium is going to be but i will tell horrible. you what it's been cool it's because a revenge game as long as i've been with ann like ann and ray's team is the Bengals, who just lose that's what they do the the Bengals lose this year to see them win their first playoff game since ann was like three <laughs> to, to actually have something to cheer for and then do as well as they're doing. It's I'm telling you what, with with their quarterback, man, they've got a bright future. And mm. they're not going to make KC this year, but they've got a bright, bright future. They're but if they do, my God. I mean, if Burroughs I beats KC. I will take KC, the whole week off. <laughs> yeah, you probably Wait a will. If they, if they win their next game, they're in the Super Bowl. They're in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, my God. And unfortunately. Say, say that. Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl. Not since the Iggy Shuffle. I mean, it's it's been a while. Anyway, let's keep going. Yeah, we got to keep yeah. moving on here. Uh, let's see. Kenneth Tiffer writes, hey, hey, new week of the John Campus Show. It is the new week, and new we're glad week. you're kicking it off with us, Kenneth. Uh, Anish writes, hot take, but I think the first two seasons of Fargo by Noah Hawley are even better than the Coen Brothers movies. Please don't crucify me. Mm. Listen, I can't, I can't speak to that because I have not seen the uh, Fargo TV show. It's really good. Everybody oh. tells me it's wonderful. Yeah, you're so lucky. You get to experience it. I get to experience time. At some point, I've been saying to myself for the last five years, I'm going to start watching this show. But the original movie is, I mean, it's um, it's f like Frances McDormand won her first Academy Award in that one. That movie is insane. But a lot of people love this show, man. So I'm not sleeping on Anish. All right, Paul Dean writes, Hey, John and co. Saw Scream on the weekend. I really liked it. What did you think of the reference to Star Wars Episode Eight with Stab? Uh, I personally loved it. I I can't remember. I mean, I saw the movie. Right, Ray, do you remember It was this? directed by the guy Not who directed all. Knives Out, they said. Stab Eight would be The Last Jedi. Oh, is that oh, what they said? Yeah, oh, and it was directed, that's So right. it's definitely an overt 
reference. Yeah, to, I mean, there were so many references in that yeah. movie that they dropped. But I mean, they were they were many, almost but, basically coming out and saying, "Well, Ryan Johnson screwed up the franchise with yeah. Stabbing." Oh wow, which would be the eighth Star Wars movie. Well, it was kind of, they took shots at the Scream franchise itself too. Yeah, they took shots at several of the Scream movies too. So they were very very referential that way. All right, next up, uh, Peter Cunnington writes. I mean, if it were a really good movie and they had a small intermission, I would gladly see a four-hour Batman movie. More bang for your buck. I mean, actually, I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this, Chris, because we brought up this the other day. (laughs) The whole notion of the intermission for movies that are really, really long. Would you be for a four-hour Batman movie if there was an intermission about two hours through? Yes, absolutely, because that's already what I've been conditioned to do the past few years in my home, watching everything that's gotten released. And also, then I don't have to nudge whoever I'm seeing and being like, what did I miss? Did I miss something cool? Yeah. I hate being that person. So instead, you know, I'm just going to have my bladder explode. <laughs> All right. Next up, Suthius writes, no matter what space you potentially choose as your next studio, I'm glad you'll finally have enough space for them background dancers. Okay. So what that's a reference <laughs> what? to. What? What that is a reference to is I started doing, and by the way, they are coming back. They are coming back. I did a couple of evening live streams that we called John Campia After Dark. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, let me bring the the John Campia After Dark official title screen on here. Give give me a second. I didn't know if I was old enough to click on it, frankly. Here we go. So John Campia After Dark. Oh, check uh, out. With probably the best thumbnail. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> so the John Campy After Dark show. Basically, the idea is this: is that we have viewers all over the world, and when we do the John Campy show live, it's when a lot of people around the world are asleep. So I thought we'd do a live show when there are people who can't normally watch live can watch live. It's a lot of fun, and I've got this red background. It's just fun. And I said one time, you know what? One time, I need to get go-go dancers to dance in the background for an entire episode of After Dark. That's what I thought was a good idea. (laughs) Then I actually started looking and getting legitimate, like club go-go dancers is not the most inexpensive thing in the world to do, especially since I don't live right in LA anymore. So I'd have to get them to drive out. You're going to get some Craigslist dancers. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's thing. That's what's happening out the here. The Craigslist <laughs> dancers like out here is kind of like the Walmart version of like good go-go dancers. And it's kind of like the, the beginning of a Dateline episode. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it sounds like the beginning. <laughs> no. of, so I would want credible, referenced, professional go-go dancers that just like maybe two girls and a guy that are just, I would, I'd never even reference them. They'd just be in the background. I'd have minor little EDM music playing just very, very quietly. Oh, and just in the background, people dance in the background for an hour as I that do the show. choice of music. I mean, for dance, what do you do? I'm not going to put in Leonard Skinner for a background go-go After dancer. Dark. After Dark. An ultra Patreon tier. Plus, you'd have, have to get, have to get generic YouTube music that was already licensed. Yes. You know, oh, no, well, no, I have memberships on some sites that allow me to do it. But here's the, this is the thing. People are saying, John, you should get audience more. Maybe I'll have a contest. Maybe I'll have a contest and you can appear as a go-go dancer oh my yeah. on the Tarantino show. <laughs> I love this. There we go. Okay, the thing you is, know? you're going to get deluged with, uh, with <laughs> applications. Of so much stuff I never wanted to see. Yep. All right. Let's keep moving oh, on. Oh, I want to see it. All right. Mike A. writes, I watched the first episode of The Righteous Gemstones. Adam Devine is always, I love him, is always hilarious. And the ending was great. I didn't think I'd like it, but I did. I have never watched The Righteous Gemstones. I've never even heard anybody talk about it. And then all of a sudden, in the last couple of weeks, everybody's talking about yeah, it. Yeah, because a new season dropped. Yeah, I, so I think at some point I'm going to have to check this out. Is that the workaholics guy? 
Yep. Yes. Oh, great. He's a it's second. him. It's uh, John Goodman. It's Eastbound and Down guy. Uh, Danny McBride. Danny McBride. Is John Goggin in that? Goggin? Walter, Walter Goggin. Walter Goggin. Is he in it too? I don't know. I don't know I don't if he is or not. So. But again, I've never seen the show, but I've, a lot of people are talking about it. All right. Sebastian Gomez writes, I think Taron Egerton might be a good James Bond. He's young, charming, athletic, and British uh, and has some spy genre experience with Kingsman. I actually think that almost disqualifies him. Yeah. Um, him already being eggsy, I think it disqualifies him. It, I'd also have the same issue with him as I do with Tom Holland, which is, I, he's he's great. By the way, if you've never seen Taron Egerton in Eagle, <gasps> Eddie the Eagle, he's so good. He's so good in that acting alongside Hugh Jackman, but. He is of a certain stature, like Tom Holland, and I, I just think Bond should be a taller guy. Mm. Get him an apple box. He'll be fine. Like you can do his little ninja think, kicks off of that. Yeah, <laughs> apple box. Just like, I mean, the, the Tom Cruise way. Yeah. Just like I think maybe like Logan, maybe their next incarnation of Logan should be a shorter guy. But it's fine if they want to make him six something. I just think Bond should be a taller guy. But uh, hey, listen, I just said playing a super spy already disqualified him, but I'm all for my boy Henry back here. And he was in The Man from Uncle. So I, I maybe that's contradictory. I don't know. All right. Good question, man. Next up. Uh, Al Renshaw writes, how does Chris feel about John saying Ray and Chris cooking uh, is near even? I asked during your recent ask a question and you said it was too close to call. Okay. So, I didn't so know this. Let, let me, Are okay, we cooking let me, rivals? Let me clarify what this is. <laughs> so the other afternoon during the weekend, I had about an hour to kill. So I jumped into the community tab and I said, guys, I'm going to do an ask me anything for the next 45 minutes. And like over 500 questions kind of poured in and I answered them as quick as I could. And one of them asked, who is better cook? Because I am telling you, we are sitting in the presence of two exceptional food artists uh, here because uh, Chris, Chris made a number yeah. of meals for me and Ann that were always awesome. Ray is a terrific chef pleasures. Like we don't call him <laughs> chef pleasures for nothing. And so they asked straight up, who's better? I'm like, ah, too close to call. Wow. They're very, very different. Very, very different. They make very, very different kinds of food. But mm. I, I'm just saying, I, I do you, if you had to define the signature dishes between the two of them, do you, do you think of each one as having a signature dish that you loved? Yes. Oh, well, I don't know in terms of signature, but there's a style difference. Mm. Like when Chris would make us stuff, it was like prime. I mean, it was like good, like top shelf, like really good stuff. <laughs> Ray. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's way too high to start. <laughs> for you to redeem yourself. But, uh -oh. but Ray, Ray's style is he is the guy who will make something delicious out of whatever you have around. Ooh. Okay. Whatever's there. And that's honestly, this may sound silly. One of my favorite things that Ray makes, I honestly get very happy and excited when, when Ann says Ray's coming over and he's bringing over this. He makes this spaghetti dish. That's like made with chopped up hot dogs and what and it sounds silly. It is one of the most delicious things that I eat. So you got Chris, when she says she's going to make something, it's like, you know, she's gone to the grocery store. She's getting the fine cuts of this and, all, and it's amazing. <laughs> and Ray can take anything you have in the pantry and make something delicious. And it's it, that's how I think stylistically they differ. We, we need to do a, a John Campia chopped edition. I know. Oh my God, I'm all about that. As oh. long as I get to be the judge, Rob and I will be the judge. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm, Logan I'm totally also just texted in to be like, uh, no disrespect to anyone, but no one outcooks Chris Carr. So yeah. <laughs> just, just say, mean, he's, he's biased, but you know, a little biased, little biased, <laughs> but gotta say it, gotta say it. All right, uh, we gotta keep moving here. Next up, 
Uh, Bobby Harris writes, Hey, John, or sorry, hey, Ray. Uh, I used to have the same issue staying awake in movies. Turns out it was because of sleep apnea. Uh, may want to look into that if you haven't already. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. I've been told that. Maybe. I, I have said this before. I will say it again. I have never met a family of people because it ain't just Ray. Anne can fall asleep on command. Like, what, like he, you understand me. Me, I go to bed. I will lay there probably for about a half hour to 45 minutes before I'll fall asleep. I, I need that runway time. I, I can't just lay down and fall asleep. It doesn't happen. Anne will literally come out of her office and say, I'm going to, I got 12 minutes till my next meeting. I'm going to take a quick nap. I'm like, how? But literally <laughs> I'll walk in and check on her 30 know, seconds later and she's asleep. It's so cute. And she's, she's asleep. <laughs> she can amazing. fall asleep like that. Ray, true story, not even kidding. And this has happened far more than once. <laughs> We've had a gathering at the house, like big family gathering, whatever, and like watching TV, some people in the kitchen cooking, some people in the dining room doing this, and there's like 10 of us around, and like somebody asked Ray something. Hey, Ray, like, what do you think about that? Oh, yeah, that one was really, really good. Three, sec three seconds pass. What do you think about the other one? And he literally is mid-conversation. Mid-conversation. He's talking to you. You turn away for a second. You, you turn gotta back. Talk, you got to talk about space or natural disasters. That's how I stay in the combo. <laughs> the Anything else is not important to me. It's it's just I've never seen that ability in people hey, like the James that. James Webb Telescope should be inserting into L2 orbit right about now. It Who's, only had 2,000 miles to go when I got up this morning. Whose telescope? The James Webb, the the biggest space mm. telescope that we've ever. Right. It's, it's up there it's, now. It's inserted. It's going to be inserting into its orbit today. Exciting stuff. All right. Next up, uh, Mark uh, Gomance writes, Hi, peeps. It looks like movie theaters are opening again in the Netherlands. That's exciting. After five long weeks, whoop, whoop, what are the must-sees I missed? Well, we had it's funny thing is we had a lot of our international film-loving brothers and sisters writing in saying, I can't watch Spider-Man because they've closed everything down here. The poor Norwegians. Go. I mean, there you go. Go see Scream. Scream is fun. Uh, but the one you obviously got to see is Spider-Man. No way. Yeah. Home. Get out there, go watch it and, and just drink it in. But you know what? If you heard all the spoilers for it, it doesn't matter. The experience is great. You're going to have a great experience. Even if you knew all the spoilers for it, it doesn't matter. And the Netherlands, go see Paul Verhoeven's new movie, Benedetta. I'm not familiar with that one. No, wait, no, no, wait. We talked about it. You told me about that one. That's right. It's about the, uh, nuns, the nuns That's in right. panic. Yep. I remember the that. lady nuns movie. Oh, sweet. All right. I was going to say, if you, you want to anime, go see Belle. Oh, yeah, because you oh, just yeah. wanted to go see Belle. I just went and saw what Belle did you yesterday. Think? We were talking about I Belle. I loved it. I think it is visually stunning. Did you see stunning. it in the theater? I did see it in theaters. Because I couldn't find it playing around me. I, I was oh, stunned. yeah, I at the, the Regal and NoHo, it's playing just a couple times. Um, there's like three sub showings and one dub, um, but it's great. Oh, yeah, I can't Beautiful. wait. Definitely Damn needs it. to be seen on a big screen. All right, next up. Uh, Al Rancho writes, hashtag Moonfall Reaction Watch. I am with Ray and Rob. Oh, there will be a reaction. We're going to give our reaction to mm -hmm. it coming out of theater. Keep your eyes open. Uh, next up, Anish writes, Welcome back, Chris. Have you guys seen the new season of Demon Slayer? And if so, what are your thoughts on the show overall? I got to tell you, I, I, I don't know anybody that's watched Demon Slayer. I have a lot of students who have, and I really need to watch. I do voiceover coaching, and they're all like, oh, Demon Slayer is so great, and I have not watched any of it. Um, I'm not going to lie, y'all. I've been watching Food Wars just, <laughs> I love the shit out of Food Wars. Which one, which one is Food Wars again? Food Wars is the one where everyone basically has like an orgasm with really good food and their wow. clothes rip off of them. 
It's I a fun thought, time. Is that real? Is it's this a real show? show. It's on, a real show. TV which is, is streaming? It's streaming. You can stream oh, it. What's okay. hilarious, though, is just because of the different sensor issues, they'll, like, censor food that looks too much like genitalia. Like, if grapes are gathered together too much, they censor that. But then they have people's clothes blow off. Oh my the mind rails. Let's do that. Oh, my gosh. You guys. <laughs> like watch, watch I'm Wars. watching that okay. right now. <laughs> Mute my mic. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a, I have to keep the door shut. Otherwise, my neighbors are like, what is Carr doing? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, Rob, Rob, side note. Someone keeps telling me that Bell is playing at the AMC Tyler. The movie Bell. It is. See it is playing at the AMC Tyler, but it's got like one showtime a day. Yeah, so. Is that the one we went and saw Spider-Man at? That's, that's the theater we went to go see Spider-Man. That's a good theater. Yeah. That's a really good theater. I missed the AMC Burbank 16, but that's a pretty good theater too. All right, we can you keep moving on here. Uh, Suthius writes, Love seeing some of these new MCU shows taking place globally and not just in the US. We saw a little bit of foreign locations in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'll tell you what. I found out one of my favorite pieces of music that is in my rotation now. You remember it, Ray? There, when they when they show up, I, what's the name of the place where they go? The name is it's an MCU city. Uh, Madripoor. Madripoor. They go to Madripoor, and we're watching this, and all of a sudden, they, this music starts playing. Dun 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 dun, and I'm like, this is awesome. And they start rapping in Tagalog, and like, and this song's like joined, and Anne's like, they're this is Filipino rap, and. I'm listening to it and it's just, I didn't know a single damn word they were saying in it, but the song is awesome. What what, what show is this on? It was on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, okay, okay. And wow. I'm like, that song is in my regular rotation. Oh, it wow. starts with this old Kung Fu movie line here. You fight well, you may join us. And then dun, 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 dun. And I'm like this, I don't even know the name of it, but it's pretty damn awesome. And I've got it in my regular rotation now. All right, CD writes, one of two. Uh, hey, John, have you seen the Red Band trailer for Amazon Prime's animated fantasy series, The Legend of Vox uh, uh, Machina, uh, coming out this week? Looks fantastic and hoping it continues. It continues what has been uh, what has been a great streak of adult aimed animated series lately. Amazon has already greenlit season two, and I'm a fan of the source material. So I have high hopes. Thanks. I didn't like it. Now, now don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean the show's not going to be great. And I love the story behind the show and how they got it made. Yeah. And it's, it's great. And I love the people behind it. I'm not going to lie, though, that I didn't think the trailers were all that great. To be honest, the show could be fantastic, though. And, mm -hmm. I, and I'm looking for Have you, you guys seen the trailers for this? I have. And I love that, you know, the Critical Role folks are doing this. Yes. But yeah, but yeah I, I'm going to need a little something more. Because right now it's just, well, I'm going to keep watching Critical Role or yeah. revisit those. You know what you can watch, John? You Dota? Can watch, you can <laughs> you watch, watch Netflix, Dota Dragon's Blood, season two. Yeah, you can. And you know, there's one there's one scene where you have Anson Mount, Captain Pike, John Delancey, Q, and Jeffrey Combs, Weyoun, in the same scene doing the voice acting in the second season. That's awesome. Just saying. That was a really slick plug. That was you a like really that? good that was plug. Good. You like that one? Yeah. That was well done. And you can also see my credit in the end. <laughs> Next up, Elizabeth Gerardo writes, would Secret Invasion uh, bring the Super Scrolls? I, I mean, anything's on the table right now. I could see that happening. That might be the people that are invading. Yeah. So it's like the regular scrolls versus. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good idea. Elizabeth. That could be it. Anthony Palmero writes, even though the Batman is three hours long, I don't think it will have trouble uh, catching the numbers of the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. I, I mean, I don't know. There has been drama 
with Batman. A lot of mixed reactions to the iterations of Batman. There are a lot of Batman running around because now we got the Ben Affleck Batman. We got the Michael Keaton Batman. We're going to have all this talk about Flash and what's going on there. Robert Pattinson. There's still a lot of Twilight Boy people out there about the Robert Pattinson thing. That it, I Listen, I hope so. I, I'm, I'm a little dubious on its chances. I mean, it's going to be a hit. I'm a little dubious on its chances to be a billion dollar film right now, though. Maybe Batman 2. But I'm a little, I just think there's a lot working against it. I don't know. Do you guys think that this is a movie that can hit a billion dollars? I mean, it can, it's possible, but do you think it will? I think it's going to hit a billion dollars. I hope so. I, I hate to say this, but okay, let's say I make it through the three hours. I rarely go back and rewatch a three hour movie. I just wait for it to come out on rental or something. Or, you know, I'm, that's just I don't me. think you're alone. You made it through that's the wilderness, Ray. You made it through, you know. Was that a that's, like a virgin reference yeah, right there? Yes, was. <laughs> what does Robert Pattinson have to do to stop being referred to as Twilight Boy, though? Like, uh, 2008 was so long ago. <laughs> yes, but here's the problem. All the movies he has been in since have been these under-the-radar, small, indie kind of films that most casual moviegoers don't watch. That's fair. Like good time and so like, these are not movies high life, high the life science fiction film. These are not uh, what was it Rover. These are the types of movies that not a lot of Rover's people, great. It, it is great that a lot of people did not watch, and so for a lot of them, they've had no other exposure to Robert Pattinson, other than a short appearance in Harry Potter, and then of course making billions of dollars in Twilight. Mm -hmm. And I get it, I do. Like if all you, I understand. The trepidation of Robert Pattinson as Batman, if your only ex exposure to him has been Twilight. Because if that, honestly, if that's all he had been in, I would be trepid, I would have some apprehension yeah. about it too. Having seen the great work he has put in since that time, well, then you know this is pretty exciting. But uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. All he right. was in Cronenberg's Cosmopolis. Yes. Cronenberg, one of my favorite directors, good Canadian kid. He was also, he was in that one with Timothy Chalamet too, wasn't he? Wasn't he also in that, um, or am I thinking of somebody Oh, that, else? it was the Netflix period drama. Yes, the, the Something King. The uh, Chris King. Pine was in it yeah. too, if I'm not mistaken, or mm -hmm. something like that. Anyway, all right, let's move on here. Next up, uh, that was Anthony. Next up, John Redcorn writes, who's up for a Moonfall spoiler discussion? <laughs> all right, you know what? We'll do it. Yeah. What kind of spoiler do you need? It's already in the trailer. <laughs> but 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 here's the thing: we would have to Does wait. The moon fall. Does the, the moon, moon fall? Not only they, they fall. cut Anna Diarmas out of the movie. I hear. <laughs> and not only does moon fall, but it kicks Earth's ass. It really it kicks Earth's ass. But here's the thing: we're gonna have to wait until after it comes out publicly. Yeah. So we're not gonna be able oh, to do a spoiler yeah. discussion about it right away. We're gonna. Have I'm to gonna wait. have to take the week off. It's gonna be so annoying not to spill the beans. <laughs> Guys, you're not going to believe it. <laughs> Toby Maguire shows up in Moonfall. All right, next up, Cam K writes. And we're at Cam, yes, we're at Cam K, who writes, with Secret Invasion possibly revealing past characters as something else. Uh, let me try this again. With Secret Invasion possibly revealing past characters as something else, should we suspect a good number of cameos or none at all? Um, this is a Disney Plus show. So I would I would pump the brakes on any expectations about massive amounts of big cameos and stuff like that. Plus, again, I understand that in the comic story of this, certain things happen. But remember, the comic story of Civil War is incredibly different from yeah. what the movie version of Civil War was. So 
I, I would pump my brakes, like I said, on any expectations for a lot of cameos. Andy writes, best thing John ever told us was to shave our balls. That's because <laughs> of one of our great sponsors, Manscaped. And uh, we got more Manscaped-sponsored stuff coming, so thank you to our good friends over at Manscaped. All right, next up. Uh, B. Gill Studios writes, I think Amelia might be a brand or an older Daisy Johnson, a.k.a. Quake. But I mm. think Quake because... She's been by Fury's side like Hill and Coulson. I can tell you right now, there are going to be no Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. references yeah. in this show because Kevin Feige has completely dismissed everything. I mean, he's he's gone out of his way to say to the world, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist. I mean, you may like it or not like it, but that's what Kevin but Feige But S.H.I.E.L.D. Has done. exists. It's just not that show. Yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. exists, but the TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that does not. So this may be a new iteration mm. of Quake. Sure. I mean, it could be a totally brand new version of Quake, but I don't know if that would piss some people off. Like, I don't know if that would piss Agents of Shield. I mean, it already pissed a lot of people off that they contradicted the Darkhold. Then they contradicted. They just did another thing recently. But if they straight up say, oh, yeah, that Quake doesn't exist. This is it could unnecessarily piss some people off i don't know i think so i yeah. i mean i would go with abigail brand probably we've already introduced sword right so that would make sense to tie that in more there's there's that we talked about that before too so which we'll is see. sword was introduced in another disney plus show exactly. so that yes with that's specifically we dealing with those threats yeah all right next up we got cutter hale who writes uh so glad you're back chris john thoughts on ufc 270 i thought moreno would retain how uh does nagano winning effect his contract drama, thanks. I'll just say, that whole thing was great. The Figueredo uh, moreno fight was everything it lived up to be. I did predict that Figueredo was going to win the title back, and he did. I mean, he won by unanimous decision, but it was a great fight, and they do need to run. This will be the fourth. They got to fight a fourth time. All three of their fights have been classics. Um, and Ganu, I honestly thought Gan was going to win that fight. I really did. I thought it would be hard. I thought it would be close, but I honestly thought Ciro Gan was going to win that fight. Ganu found a way to win it. They'll work out his contract. They'll work it out. Ganu, he, he, you know, he was a sparring partner to, uh, gone. Uh, yeah. Gone was a sparring partner to Francis. Yep. For a long um, time. A lot of times when a, a sparring partner actually goes into a fight, they end up fighting. Like they're still sparring. And that's what I saw in that fight. Like I thought he could do, could have done so much more. It's I, I was just mainly, I was disappointed with that fight. Mm. I actually thought there was going to be more risks by both of them, but it was just it was just a battle of stamina at that point. From the first round on, it seemed Nagano was battling his stamina, and um, what's the other guy's last name again? Gone. Gone. He just looked like he was trying to win by points. Yeah. Leg kicks, petty leg kicks. Nothing. Nothing that said I want to take this belt off this man. And he still came. He won the first two rounds. He did, but it was like I thought he was giving this the appetizer, and I thought he was going to go. Yeah, full I was waiting for him to open up. up. But, but you just don't want to open up against time. Francis Nagano. I know, but you're asking for. I'm a firm believer of if you want to be the champ, you take it from the title. You're not going to get a decision, even if you're up two rounds. Most likely, it's going to be a draw. It's just the way I think things go. If you want to be the champion, you make everyone know that you earned this title. You know, like, and like, you, how how many shots are you going to get? I mean, th you sparred with him before, you know, each of course you, you could get knocked out, but that's the nature of the sport. I mean, Nagano could get knocked out too by him. Yep. You know, I mean, he's been beat. All right. Next up. 
We got The Batman writes and tips in like $20. Thank you, The Batman. Appreciate that, man. Zack Snyder needed four hours to tell his story with everyone, uh, with everyone in it because it was massive. Somebody hold my beer, says The Batman with his upcoming movie. Uh, Caleb Locke writes, love Peacemaker. It's I think right now it's my favorite show on TV. Uh, love Peacemaker. Favorite character is Vigilante. Uh, and the actor, so so I googled him. Turns out he's a Brit. American actors, they look, they took their their gerbs. LOL. Listen, I'm telling you. Look, uh, by the way, I should let everybody know that I told people we were going to do a pregame show for Peacemaker this week. We're not. Uh, I wanted to, but then Rob got us passes to an early screening of Moonfall. So and, and so that's when we would have done the pregame show, but don't worry. There is going to be a peacemaker post-game show, post-game open spoiler discussion on Thursday afternoon. So do keep your eyes open for that. That will come. All right. And the last thing, uh, Teb S 23 just sends in a $5 super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Teb S. We appreciate that very, very much. Okay, guys, that wraps up the super chats that you guys have sent in watching live, but now we're going to jump over and take the tip questions that you guys have been sending in, uh, over the weekend and up until now. So, Chris, you got those lined up and ready to go? Yeah, our first one's from Michael Timazzoli. Hi, John and crew. I love to learn about movies through your channel and stay informed about what's happening in cinema and streaming. My favorite movie is The Blues Brothers. I'd love to hear what you all think about it. Thank you and have a great day. Love The Blues, Blues Brothers. Brothers. On We're a on mission a mission from, from God. God. <laughs> all the music numbers. I mean, narratively, it doesn't like hold up as an all-time great, great story, whatever, right? But... It is an all. Anybody see Blues Brothers? What was it? Two thousand. Two thousand. That was not Goodman. good. Not good, dude. Not good. But that original. So good, Carrie Fisher. Oh my god, I totally forgot. She and was all the it. music. People like Aretha yep. Franklin. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's awesome. Love that movie. All right, what's next? Let's try that again. Anonymous. I loved No Way Home, but the way Toby and Andrew were introduced was terrible and felt like crappy fan fiction. It reminded me of when a guest star appears in a sitcom episode and the recorded audience claps and cheers. Um, I'm going to disagree because I think narratively the way they set it up, although their narrative was broken, and we'll talk about, I'll talk about that in a second. Narratively, the way they set it up is that people who know Peter Parker is Spider-Man from other planes of existence are being pulled in here. And then Ned is like, show us Peter Parker. Narratively, they did it in a way that it made really good narrative sense. And so to me, while it was sudden, their appearance, it, it made sense as far as the story of the movie goes. Now, of course, the one big logic problem with all that is that, you know, people who know Peter Parker as Spider-Man are being pulled in the universe. Why is Electro here? Electro never knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man. And they just know they don't even touch that. And that's fine, whatever. But I, I thought the way they brought them in was great. A slow buildup to it takes away the moment of surprise, mm -hmm. even if you everybody knew they were in it. But I mean, that moment when he comes running through and then just pulls the mask off. I mean, I, I thought you had to do it that way. What did you think? I no, I agree. I mean, how else how dramatic music and then suddenly I mean look, and let's not forget Ned opening up those portals too i mean that it's was so great i love i love that by the way elizabeth just texted me she's like it's not fair that you always refer to robert pattinson as twilight boy he's done enough work he deserves Thanks, better elizabeth. oh i know i know that that that's just that's just the thing with all the people who don't watch anything and just uh, they, they just all know him as twilight boy i mean i think i think he's awesome i, I think pattinson is great and i'm telling you once the batman comes out 
the Twilight mind, they'll be gone. Those people won't be there anymore. It's it's the same people who forever like when when like when Heath Ledger was cast as Joker, it was Brokeback Mountain boy. Was this Brokeback Batman? Like oh, I just he remember was all the talk from about Lords that. of Dogtown though. That that is one of the most under. But uh, nobody saw that. Man, he was so good. That's the thing. Like Pattinson, he's done all this incredible work, but nobody's watched. A lot of the a lot of casual movie fans have not watched any of it. The thing with that too is like all a lot of people knew Pattinson from was either Knight's Tale, which is great. Oh my god, <laughs> um, Heath, Ledger. Heath Ledger. Who Heath Ledger from? You said Pattinson. Said Pattinson. Yeah. Did I still say Pattinson? Sorry, yeah. that's what I meant. That's okay. I mean, we Heath mean what you know. That's all people knew him from. And like that and Brokeback Mountain. Oh, and, so yeah, ten things he had. Tenet boy. Tenet boy. Tenet boy. Tenet boy. He was actually Pattinson was one of the best things in Tenet. Oh, I like Tenet. Oh, he was great in Tenet. He was great. Absolutely great in that. Going back to this question, isn't can it be argued though that all IP that we're doing right now is fan fiction? I mean that that's what we're doing. It's somebody else's story that we're continuing on. So in a way, pretty much to a degree. Yep. All right. What's next? All right. Next we have Jaron Morris. Oh, good luck with this. Predictions <laughs> of UFC 2020 comes at will fight for the title. Doesn't mean win. Justin Gaethje. Gaethje. Thank you. Wins the belt. But my number one prediction, Amanda wins rematch or Pena wins, but doesn't matter because I believe Valentina moves up and gets belt from either one Pena or uh, Nunez. Um, I think what are we talking if, about? if Pena and Nunez um, fight 10 times, I think Amanda Nunez, the lioness, wins that eight times out of 10. But what Pena, the heart she showed, you guys want to see one of the, first of all, the best female MMA fight of all time was Joanna Jacek versus, yeah, Wei Li. That is the best female fight. I, I think it's a top five fight, whatever the gender, in the history of mixed martial arts. Even if you are not an MMA fan, you look up that fight. That fight will turn you into an MMA fan. Like, mm -hmm. it, it was amazing. But but Pena comes out, nobody. They, when they showed the Vegas odds on that fight before the fight started, it was the biggest disparity I'd ever seen. It was like 3,600. Oh it was negative th or plus 3,600 or something like that. It was crazy. And she got her ass beat in the first round. And then she came out in the second round with the greatest female combat sports artist of all time in Amanda Nunez. And she showed the heart of a champion and she started hitting Amanda and she won that fight. But yes, I think Valentina Shashenko, I think she is the baddest woman on the planet. And I know her and Amanda fought twice already, but if she comes up, I believe Amanda or uh, uh, I think um, uh, Valentina, I think she, w she wins that belt. I really do. I that that is, she is a, beautiful her martial arts are beautiful and i still love the video that goes around of her as a child where her dad makes her kick trees and she chops down trees with her kicks what? and she punches trees in half there's like videos where she's younger where she's like saying Freddie, and like she's all of a sudden the trees start to splinter and explode and, and then she's knocking down trees with her it's crazy wow and she's a ballerina on top of all that anyway sorry all right what's next uh this is from russell amador Hey, John, the Marvels and Ant-Man and the Wasp have completed filming and come out in 2023. Meanwhile, Black Panther comes out this year and is still filming. Why not do a reshuffle and bump those that are in post-production? 
Please lend some insight. I mean, probably has something to do with, remember, the MCU is a part of one shared universe and they probably have some things that want to come out in order. Remember, they always knew when things were coming out. I don't think there's been enough delays to really, or, or enough production delays to really make them have to move the release date of Black Panther. This was always part of the plan, nothing to worry about. <laughs> they don't release movies based on when they get done. They know well in advance when they want certain movies to come out and they've got their own strategic reasons for it. So I think they're going to keep that. By the way, I just want to point out here that uh, Jay Devil uh, in the live chat just sent in a $20 super chat in the live chat just saying, go just to be supportive. Thank you, Jay Devil. Appreciate that, man, very much. All right, what's next? All right, another one from Boris. Also, I just finished the new Peacemaker episode. The show is killing it. John Cena doing things I didn't think John Cena could do. <laughs> oh, did we miss the Kingsman? The oh, first shoot, sorry, I the skipped The first him. question from Boris. Yeah. Um, first from Boris is saying, I watched The Kingsman, didn't hate it, didn't love it. Liked the surprise moment, caught me off guard. Loved Gemma Ayrton, uh, but I felt like the her. movie was more of a war movie than Kingsman. Not enough action and a very poor villain reveal. You know, it's funny that just mm -hmm. today, Disney Plus uh, put out their press release that it's coming out mid-February. They're putting it on Disney Plus or something like that in mid-February for Kingsman. So you're finally going to get a chance for everybody to see that. All right, what's next? This is the rest of Boris's. All right, he's just finished the new Peace Peacemaker episode. Show is killing it. John Cena doing things he didn't know John Cena could do. Vigilante is my favorite sidekick, and I'm loving the dynamic of the whole gang. James Gunn, well done, sir. I'll tell you what. Rob hadn't seen episode four of Peacemaker when he came in the other day. And even though he hadn't seen the episode, I, I said, I know you haven't seen the episode, but I've got to show you the one scene. The prison scene in episode four I think it it rivals, it doesn't quite meet, like my my favorite moment in any comic book based show over the past couple of years is still easily, what is grief if not love, what's the last word? If not love. Persevering. Persevering. Yes. What is grief if not love persevering? Greatest moment maybe ever in any comic book television show. Love that. But I'm telling you what, that scene when Vigilante sits down Hey, fellas. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be good. This is going to be so good. That scene, that dialogue, I I, I was gasping for air. I was laughing so hard because Ryan was over here watching it with All me because right, right, right. you didn't come. Of course. Because you hadn't caught up on the rest of uh, Peacemaker yeah. yet. So Ryan, I, I, I seriously thought I was going to pass out. I was laughing so and hard. And it was so filthy. It was so oh, yeah. filthy. So fil I loved it it's so, so much. Good. I'm like, wow. And he brought the filthy job. And, and I'll tell you he what did. else. There, episode four, the second, the, the last act of episode four, Peacemaker, showed us a different dimension of Peacemaker. Like you started to feel the emotional weight of it, the heaviness, not just Peacemaker's flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Like it's one thing, yeah, father raised him to be a killer. Okay, yeah, we know that intellectually. Watching a 10-year-old child, like a man, a father putting a knife into the hand of a 10-year-old child and telling that child to go and stab this man in a chair to death. Okay, we knew his father raised him to be a killer, but now suddenly it's tangible. Mm -hmm. And you felt that. And then visions of the brother. But also, I thought a killer moment was when Hardcourt, who is James Gunn's real girlfriend in real life, when Hardcourt picks up Vigilante from the prison, there's a moment when he says, okay, he's still alive. But just when he turns to her and he says, I think I made things worse. The facial performance of that guy in that moment when he says, I think I made things worse. It suddenly went from this filthy joyride, amazing humor and action to 
Like you felt it. And suddenly you started to feel the emotional depth of this show. And I'm like, damn it. Like, what else can this show do? Mm-hmm. It's doing everything for me. I, if you can't tell, I'm loving Peacemaker. It's so good. It's so good. Have you and Logan been watching it? We have been. I love it. We rewatched that little uh, prison monologue over and over again because it's so good. But yeah, that it is wild to me that that kid, the last thing I saw him in was Harry Potter. Uh, just as as this smarmy little jerk in Harry Potter. I don't even remember him being in Harry he's, Potter. He's one of the Slughorn kids, kids okay. who's like really uppity. Um, and so I haven't seen him in anything since then. And he's just crushing his dialect and he's doing such wonderful stuff. He is brilliant in physical comedy, but really can deliver those heartfelt moments. Yeah. I, I, this is my favorite DC show that has come out. I love this uh, yeah, so I, much. I, I said uh, the other oh, week, yeah. I said after just three episodes, I said, no, it can go badly for the rest of the episodes. I know that. But yeah. for right now, I said after three episodes, this is the greatest thing DC has ever had on television. And I'm standing by every episode that comes out. I'm just standing by. That I also guy. think it's going to drive a lot of people to watch Suicide Squad that might not have seen. I it. hope so. Because mm-hmm. I, I think three times they've done the flashback of Peacemaker. What a joke. I think they played that like three times. But I mean, it's oh, you mean the worst scene of the movie? By the way, you would have loved this episode because they had him feeling regret over the Rick Flag murder. Again. Yeah, mm. like really regrets it. I mean, it's it's so Rest in peace, Rick Flag. Show so good. Okay, let's keep going. What's next? All right, we're gonna keep talking about Peacemaker though. Sweep the leg, right? It's Peacemaker episode four. Did Vigilante just become my favorite character? And the cliffhanger. Wow, this show just gets better. Yeah, absolutely does. Oh, there's another line after that. I am better. Each character is so rich with story. Bravo, Mr. Gunn. Bravo. I'm telling you what, Anne just watched last night, finally, Peacemaker episode four. It's funny because she started watching Peacemaker before me, but she just watched episode four and that ending. She's like, wait a minute. Has he been a butterfly the whole time? I'm like, I don't know, but I, I think he is. I mean, which, and then, you know, when Judo Master's like, you don't understand, the butterflies are bang. And it's like, by the way, I'm loving Judo Master. Love Judo Love Master. Love Judo Master. I'm so, oh, big tough man. Remember when I fucked you up? <laughs> and he's like, you that sounds funny already. Like, ah, this guy's awesome. That sounds funny already. <laughs> All right, what's next? All righty. Uh, Jonathan T. This is part one of two. Been watching since the AMC days. Thank I love you, your show. And I didn't know, but you feel like family because of my daily watching. I had a stroke in 2014. I was in a coma, woke up, stayed in the hospital for weeks, and I wanted my uh, wanted my phone to watch your show. And he didn't. Maybe then, he got it. Maybe he thought it was going to take two things and it yeah. got it all in one. Man, listen, seriously. I, I am always so, first of all, glad you've obviously recovered, Jonathan. I am always amazed how many people write in, like literally every week. And, and I've shared some of the emails with you guys that, you know, people who write in to say, we just had somebody last week write and say that they were in the hospital with their mom for a week and just together, they watched the John Campio show. Um, I remember one time I was still at Collider and I remember I got this one email and it, it broke me down to tears. Yeah, I got this one email. I was in tears. I showed it to, to Ann um, and then I went in and I shared it with our staff and it was crazy. It was this one story of a guy whose uh, brother had a son. So his nephew terminally ill and the the kid loved uh, comic book movies and stuff like that. And he said for a week or two, we would all sit around in his hospital room and we would watch uh, movie talk at the time, you know, our show. And the kid passed away. They, they knew it was terminal. The kid passed away. And this guy just wrote in saying, I just want you to know, thanks for contributing to 
giving us laughing moments together and, and happy moments together. I lost it. Like I, I don't lose it often, but when I was reading that, I like completely lost it. And it, to me, it's again, it's a testimony. You know, people ask me like, why do you act like movies and these things are so important? Because they are. Mm-hmm. What storytelling is, and what it does, you know what? Let me pull up something here because I shared this recently on my Twitter. I want to, I want to pull this up. It's a quote from Stan Lee, but I, I, I think about it often doing the stuff that we do. Let me see if I can bring this up here. There it is. Um, Stan Lee said, "I used to be embarrassed because I was just a comic book writer, while other people were building bridges or going into medicine, medical careers." And then I began to realize entertainment is one of the most important things in people's lives. Without it, we might go off the deep end. I feel that if you're able to entertain people, you're doing a good thing. And I think the the movies and the arts of storytelling and the communities that just gather together like ours to talk about it, you know, you've heard me go off on this all the time about how vital it is, I think. And, you know, to hear a story like yours, man, that you just shared with us, uh, about you know you're in the hospital that is amazing that's honoring thank you so much for that we're so glad you're part of our community and thank you for sharing that man we appreciate that mm-hmm. all right what's next this is from broccoli broccoli <laughs> <laughs> in the last episode of boba fett when he gets out of the tank it is said that he is now fully healed do you think he will now be the badass bounty hunter going forward when he fights now that he's healed also rob i'm in that zevia rabbit hole wish me luck uh, yeah. Oh man, that's all John Campy's fault. <laughs> it's an endless rabbit hole of flavor. Um, I my one thing would be about Boba Fett though would be this: when we saw him in the Mandalorian season two, he wasn't yet fully healed, and that was one of the most badass things I've ever seen on television. Him wrecking shop. Oh yeah, and he wasn't yet healed. Now I'm not saying the book of Boba Fett needed to just be one long action sequence. Not at all, but. Urgh. the lumbering kind of thing. I, I, I don't know. I Now that he's fully healed, I don't know. Maybe that means we'll get something a little bit more special. Like, again, it doesn't matter if you have great action if you don't have a good story. And so far, the story hasn't been all that great. He, he didn't no. even have his armor in The Mandalorian, right? He was looking for it. Yeah, so he was, he was just beating armor. up guys with a stick. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He hadn't got it back yet. He was just crushing guys with a stick. He was like doing that troopers. sand person stuff. Yeah, with that... With that Pike stick that we see in his, the, in his the, walkabout uh, gaffy stick. Maybe yeah. that's what he needs. Maybe he gets it back. He's already got it. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's how it doesn't work. All right. Let's keep going. What's next? Sean says, hey, guys, do you think Disney Plus is doing only six to eight episode runs to test the streaming service water before investing more into the shows? Or do they just believe it's best? Enjoyed most of the shows, but some finales have felt rushed or crammed to me personally. Um. I think they're just trying to keep it as inexpensive as possible. To be honest with you, they're all very expensive shows. Yeah. They are expensive shows, but yet not, you know, like in the grand scheme of things, yet not. I mean, Kevin Feige has always said he wants to put the kind of he wants to put the budgets behind these shows. He doesn't want them to be cheap. That being said, every single one of these shows you can tell these are not these do not carry movie budgets with them like you can just tell now some people will say to me ah but john you know the budget for this show was only so and so million dollars less than the budget for that movie yes but in the movie that entire budget was wrapped into one hour and 52 minutes of what you got on screen as opposed to that same amount of money being spread over five and a half hours or six hours of what you're getting on screen 
And so your per minute dollar basis is still much, much less than your per minute dollar value that's in the movies. And you can feel it. And that's fine. You can still tell great stories. Mm. I still think WandaVision is one of the best things I've seen on television in a long time. It's great. Loki, not so much. I still liked it. Um, Hawkeye didn't like all that much, you know, whatever. But I don't know. I think you can still kind of feel it like. I don't like Rob when you watch it like can't you just tell there's a different like when you're watching Book of Boba Fett you can tell this does not have a Star Wars budget no I mean and and I think I think that's one of the problems more so than the Mandalorian the way they shoot it the volume stages yeah. the stagecraft I think it's really in a way hampered Boba Fett the way it didn't hamper the Mandalorian but yeah I mean the Look, that's not to say there's some really impressive effects work, especially like in Loki when they're on that planet that's being about to be destroyed and you're watching the meteors fall from it. It's pretty impressive, but certainly not feature film budget levels, nor should it be. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, we got well, time. Well, I'm hoping Apple puts a lot of money into this new Godzilla series. Oh, please, yeah. Oh, I please, do too. Please, yeah, yeah. please. Don't even waste your time if you're not going to put money into Dude, it. Dude, they're giving they, they gave Marty Scorsese. 200 million dollars to make killers of the flower moon i mean a, a little drama they gave him 200 million dollars i got a lot of faith they're gonna put a lot of money i mean well first of all we should understand it's it's not just it's legendary yep. so but i think working with apple i think they're gonna put and a it, lot of money into and this. it could put up their subscriptions like just this show that, well the idea. So there's a lot going on i mean skydance that's basically financing paramount slate mm -hmm. is now moving over to apple so they're going to make Suffolk. That's that's a huge blow to Paramount. All right. We got time for a couple more. Let's keep going. What's next? Chops. Good morning, John and crew. Have you got a chance to watch Station Eleven on HBO Max? It gave me the leftover vibes. Love the show. Just seeing what your thoughts are about it. And also, did you ever watch The Leftovers? Thoughts on that show as well. I have not seen Station Eleven. I, I've had a few people tell me it's really good. Like actually, our, our ad rep, the guy who uh, gets us our sponsors, my ad rep, he was telling me about, he was just asking me the other day, have you watched Station Eleven yet? I was like, no. So there's that and there's another one that has a similar title that I haven't started watching yet. Like uh, something 18. Archive or, 81. Archive 81. Yeah. Which I'm the in the middle one. of. Uh, you're in the middle of it. It's a lot of, our, okay, I, I'm great. enjoying it. Have any of you guys watched Station Eleven yet? No, I wanted to read the book first, which yeah. I figured you would have Elizabeth read. read the book. Okay. And she watched the show and she really liked it. Okay, cool. So how is uh, Archive 81? Yeah, it's James Wan is an executive producer That's on it. Right, he is. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Look, you know me. Anything with satanic cults of any kind. Or I'm, moons attacking the earth. I'm there. And and I there it's there's a lot of really great stuff in it. And I'm quite enjoying it. But it's one of those things where I don't know. It, the way it's presented is really well done. Is it an anthology series? No. It's not. No, okay. it's one long story. The way it's being presented is really, really interesting. But it's when you really stop to think about it, it's like, mm, it's pretty goofy. <laughs> <laughs> but but they it's played really straight, and I'm really enjoying it. Well, I do want to check out Station Eleven, though. I've heard a lot of people say some really good things about it. All right, what's next? Chloe Fanning. Mickey Seven kind of reminds me of Arnold Schwarzenegger's The Sixth Day, even though not many people liked The Sixth Day. I thought it was a decent film for the time. Looking forward to seeing Mickey Seven. A lot of people have been comparing what we're hearing, the synopsis of Mickey Seven to Moon. Yeah. And that's a very That's the first thing I thought of. Kind of comparison too, right? There, There is a little bit of Sixth Day in there as well. I, I'm going to admit, not one of my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger films, Sixth Day. Uh, fairly forgettable to me. Uh, frankly, I haven't gone back to revisit it in a long time. So maybe if I... <laughs> Watch again, but not one of my favorites. You, Rob? No, but I remember these. There's weapons in the sixth day. These huge, that I thought were cool. 
All right, what's next? Sean Thomas, comedian. I need to mention before time has passed regarding MJ and No Way Home. She was so compassionate even when things didn't go the way they wanted it to. I loved that and wish more people were like that. Plus, Tom's acting was 